It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah. Get at it, Monday morning. Yes, it's the only combat show that can be this weird. Yeah, oddly familiar and comforting. It is Morning Combat, the award-winning one. And it is Monday, January 31st, 2022. Negative four was the thermometer, thermostat on the wall this morning here in in lovely suburban Connecticut. My name is Brian Campbell. Yes, that that, uh, American Alpha, if you will, that BBC with the damn BDE. And no, that's not my trusty co-host and sidekick. But you know, at this point, a week plus in, into the other guy's vacation, <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, I thought we had a family building here at MK, and it seems like Luke has chosen uh, yeah. his Latin women family over us, and that's fine. Enjoy the beach while you're there. But in his place, the man in the damn hat, Colorado by birth, Connecticut by choice. It's Chuck Mindenhall. Brother, you're back for another bang. I couldn't be happier. I wish I could take three-week vacations like Luke, man. This is ridiculous. But, hey, you know what? This brings us together, BC. I'm all down. Like, let him stay out wherever he's at. Wherever he's at, globetrotting right now. Let him stay out. Stay away at this point, okay? We're building something special here. Chuck, obviously, uh, we're blessed with your presence. Shout out to Shaq Majori for sliding in Luke's place on Friday. But Chuck back for this Monday show. And it's a loaded one. We're going to look back at a weird but fun weekend MMA across Bellator and Eagle FC's U.S. debut. We got a lot of weird and random news to look at involving the likes of Conor McGregor, Tyson Fury, Kayla Harrison, even that Jake Paul guy. So a lot to get to on this loaded show today. Uh, Chuck, I think we're at more or less, I mean, you know, as far as winters go, we're not Minnesota, right? We're not Northern Maine, but Connecticut. Pretty damn close, man. Connecticut will get up in that ass. I think we're about halfway there. I could feel in terms of the progression of my seasonal winter depression that uh, times are bleak right now, but but we're. We're getting there, Chuck. We're getting there. At least there. the sun is staying up a little longer. Like, it's not getting dark at 4.30 like it was there for a while. But, yeah, this is this is bleak. I feel like Connecticut, I'm not from here originally, but I've lived out here for 10 years now. We always get a spell like this where it's just yes. tundra outside. You get another snow. That freezes. Pretty soon there's mounds of polluted snow all over your driveway and everything else. I'll be happy when it passes, man. Yeah. Shout out to our great producer, Mikey Mormile of CBS Sports, who is complaining about his 
48 degree temperatures in Fort Lauderdale this morning. Don't hear Sorry, that. Mikey. Hopefully we can help you through that. Uh, <laughs> loaded show and loaded merch site for you. If you're fans of what we do here on the Great MK, morningcombat.store. Are you looking at this hat right here? Are you looking at the drug rugs? that are back in stock right here. Are you looking at Chuck Mindenhall's chest? No tattoo bond to tea. Look at, look, check yeah, out baby. that right there, okay? Morningcombat.store not only has plenty of new merch today, we are running a sale, a special sale on the old Hood A. Drug rugs, sweatshirts, 15% off using the code hoodie 15 if you're listening at home, that's H-O-O-D-I-E 15 to get your sale right now. Chuck, we did force you. I mean, you didn't wear that by choice Come this on. morning. Our merch master, <laughs> RJ Dunkelmaker, was like, hey, Chuck. It was hey, a Chuck, nudge. More, it was hey, a little nudge. That's all that was. But, you know, we got great stuff. I mean, Chuck, can I can I just, can I shill a little bit more? Show you me. Want, you want to wear this on your back? I mean, come on, right? Look at you that. Know I mean? All right. Yes, I do. I do want to wear that on my back. I mean, I you do. want to outfit your, your wife in this, Chuck. You know, you can do that, okay? <laughs> All right? There you go. I love it, man. All right, check out that I love your merch. Shit. You got a ton of merch, man. It's good stuff. Morningcombat.store. While we are also selling, hey, like this video. Subscribe to what we do here at Morning Combat every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern. We're live. We're breaking things down. We got post-fight reactions. We got the biggest interviews in the game. We got Chuck Mindenhall once in a while Doesn't becoming bigger, baby. more consistent <laughs> of late. So there's our social handles. Follow what we're doing. If you're listening on audio only, please Throw us a five-star review if you can. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you consume this audio. I'm sure we'll create some new scam the system uh, uh, you know, thing that never pans out in the end. But if you could leave us that, we'd appreciate that. Our bosses would, too. And speaking of big-time awards, how about sportspodcastawards.com? Best combat sports podcast for 2021. Your boys at MK are nominated. We got big competition again though. We took down Rogan last time. This time we're going at Helwani, Chris Jericho, a bunch of other big time names. Vote for us sportspodcastawards.com and also Showtime. Why not get 30 days? You got Bellator over the weekend. You got big time boxing. You got uh, Ray Donovan, some other awesome shit. Go to Showtime.com for your 30 day free trial as well as your boy BC on Chillbox February 18th. So check that out. Chuck, before we get into the re weekend reaction and the stuff that the, you know, serious non-BC fan MM MMA hardcores are here for, right? Because I hear a little little echo in my ear right there. Okay. Yeah, I got an echo. A little echo there, Gaff. All right, there we go. There we go. Um, there we go. Chuck, you know, let's be, let's be truthful here to the people. All right. We've made... It. We've made five and now six critically acclaimed documentaries of all things Morning Combat, which really isn't just, you know, a bunch of dick jokes and an angry guy. It's <laughs> the, the documentization of our growth as men. Chuck, how many of these fantastic five already published docs have you watched? Okay, so let's see. None of them yet. But uh, all right. I, will, I will be watching them now that I've been made aware of this. <clears throat> well, maybe we you actually were to... talking about this before. This is uh, I didn't know they were out, man. I, I don't pay attention. I guess I should Chuck's pay like, attention Chuck's like, I don't more. really consume I your content. Really... That's fine, Chuck. <laughs> but number six, your shirts, baby. titled okay. Best in Show, is going to go live tomorrow. Yes, Tuesday, this week. Morning Combat documentary number six. Shout out to Jake Roseman, our documentarian. We've got a fine little 
teaser video to ignite the flames for Chuck and everybody else on the outside looking in as we look back on the journey of us winning the World MMA Awards Best MMA Programming in Las Vegas, a couple other stops around the globe. Let's throw to that commercial now to get you fired up for Tuesday. The biggest fear in life is not failure, it's not losing. This sucks. It's, you know, wondering, could I have been a contender? Thank you, Mia Moore. Thank you very much. Could I have been great? The Brian Campbell Matchup. Suck my Suck, 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 suck. I mean, Chuck, if that doesn't get you fired up, right? <laughs> but you were made for that sort of thing. You were made for it. Uh, for truth. I yes, I was made yeah. for truth. There you go yes. right there. All right. Uh, check that out Tuesday. YouTube.com slash Morning Combat. In addition, my chat with former welterweight world champion Keith Thurman is up there. He'll be back this Saturday. PBC on Fox pay-per-view against Mario Barrios. Very good chat about his future, his past, and all that. We're talking Manny. We're talking Floyd. We're talking Sean Porter. A lot of good stuff with one time. Check that out at least one time. Thank you very much. All right, Chuck, let's hit it. Five topics, looking back, looking ahead, oh. all things in between, and we start. Phoenix, Saturday, Showtime, Bellator, 273 and a pair of upsets atop the marquee as two 38-year-old UFC vets proved they weren't on the way out with big-time victories from both Ryan Bader and Benson Henderson. Chuck, we're going to hit this main event right off the top. It was a heavyweight unification of its own for Scott Coker and company. And Ryan Bader, despite a 1-2 run at light heavyweight over the last year plus, returned to his division, defended his title against interim strappist Valentin Moldovsky. It goes down as a five-round unanimous decision. Uh, you know, y'all must have forgot. Ryan Bader, yeah, still the best it. in show at heavyweight. Your thoughts coming out of this one? I mean, just impressive, right? You know what's funny is I was thinking about going into this fight of UFC 144, which is almost 10 years ago as of February, which uh, featured Benson Henderson uh, in the light lightweight uh, title fight with Frankie Edgar and Ryan Bader against none other than Quentin Jackson. So I was like, hey, these two guys, I've seen them before. I remember the buildup to that fight. I was watching this and you think 10 years later, these guys are both, I know we're going to talk about Benson in a minute, they're both on their their downhill, right? You kind of think after watching Bader, what happened in his last fight, getting knocked out inside of a minute. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting, but man, I got to say, when he returns to vintage Bader and he goes in there and he starts, uh, you know, Try, you know, he was very smart, like his adjustments through the fight, like just using his wrestling sparingly. You know what I mean? I, I just thought that he looked very good for 38 years old. And, dude, he's back at heavyweight. So, man, I, it's kind of fun. You know what I mean? I'm, I've been a big fan of his. He's one of the few guys that left the UFC and probably had a better run, you know what I mean, outside of the UFC than a lot of guys leave there and they just don't find that kind of success. But he's somehow managed to keep it rolling and... He's got it going again, man. He, what was he? He was like two to one underdog in this fight, and he pulled it off. So I mean, kudos look, to him. <clears throat> I think rightfully so. The narrative was, you know, 
is he kind of done here? Is he is he entering Washville and it's going to happen fast? Obviously, in hindsight, yeah. you look at the stoppage losses to Davidium Nemkov for the light heavyweight title and Corey Anderson in the World Grand Prix, and they, they, they certainly scared you, but we know heavyweight can be a fountain of youth. Bader, 38, that age doesn't – it's not a problem at this weight class. As long he's a baby as he's, in that division at 38, man. Absolutely. Most of the guys are in their 40s. As long as he can show – five-round championship cardio, which he did, as long as he can show a balance of his game plan, which he did. But I think most importantly, Chuck, he had to show a chin. And although Moldovsky yeah. isn't a a killer from a striking standpoint, he's well-rounded, he, he's, he's, you know, he's solid, but he's become more of a decision guy at this level. I was very impressed as you were with Ryan Bader. I did score the fight, however, three rounds to two for Moldovsky because I thought did he did enough in that final round, a very close one, to edge it out. But I have no problem with Bader winning it. Why? Because the judges stuck, I guess you could say, to the letter of the law. Moldovsky had yeah. better positioning in this fight, but he didn't. He wasn't busy enough. He, you know, he was a little busy. He wasn't busy enough landing right. demonstrative strikes, whether on top or whether times he had Bader backed up. And I think when he, Bader is able to get the the full on look of that first round where he drops Moldovsky, where he's establishing himself as the bigger puncher, as maybe the bigger threat on the feet. That was key just as much, uh, Chuck, as Bader coming on in that fourth round. I thought that was the turning point of the fight. If Bader doesn't come out, take Moldovsky down, and work from top position, he's going to need a knockout to win this fight, and he didn't at the the end of the day. This is true. You know what's great about him too, man, is like you see his adjustments as he's going on, but the way he's able to articulate it afterwards, because I I was kind of curious as to uh, what what he did in terms of his corner, like where, where he came out in those in the later rounds, and he basically was pointing out that he understood, you know, the guy's power was surprising him. The infighting was a little different than he expected. He couldn't blast the double. He was like, you know, he's talking about the single leg that he was able to get, but he's kind of breaking it down in a in a layman's way, almost for people to understand just how difficult of ta- uh, task that is when you're fighting a guy like Moldowski, man. Um, I thought, I mean, honestly, I thought it was a very close round, just like you said, but I I did score it the fifth round for Bader. So it could have went either way, but um, I think it's, it's cool for Bader to be in this position now where he's, you know, back with the strap and he's, uh, he's got a couple challenges. He's got guys in the twilight that are kind of hanging out there waiting for him. So I want to see that rematch with Czech Congo. That one didn't go down the you way do. it was supposed to before. So I do actually. That's interesting. Okay, you don't want to see that? Well, it's not that I don't want to see it, but you could argue here that because the storyline coming in was so heavily, you know, centered yeah. upon the fact that F- that Bader had knocked out Fedor to win this heavyweight title, and now Fedor's coaching Moldovsky, and it was sort of like, okay, you beat my student, I- I'm right. revived, and Fedor is coming off of that not- that upset knockout of Tim Johnson in Moscow. Man. I felt, Chuck, even if you did it in Moscow, by the way, that if you staged that as a retirement fight, you did it as a rematch for the heavyweight title. Look, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of business to be had there, and you yeah. could argue, Chuck, as a counter. You, there still is. You can still do that well, fight. Maybe maybe you want to set it up. But here's what the decision Bellator made, and then we'll react to it as you teased. May 6th in Paris. Right. And they announced this immediately after Bader's win. Czech Congo came in the ring. Of course, these two fought in 2019. There was an eye poke. It was a no contest. So we never got to see the end of it. But 46-year-old Czech Congo still got something. I just feel like Chuck... <laughs> I mean, look, Paris, it's it's, maybe, it's you know? big going to Paris. Yeah, MMA was is. banned there forever, but I feel like this is the time, man. Just if if Fedor's in that fountain of youth mode that he seems to be in right now, maybe this was the time. But I can't they can... still do it though? I mean, yeah, I, I I feel like so. 
in the in the scant evidence we saw of that first fight, in the in the action we did see with, between Czech Congo and Bader, Bader was I, he looked like he was going to steamroll him. I mean, if I'm being honest, so I don't really I see this fight being Bader's fight to lose. I don't really I don't think the Czech at 46 years old is going to uh, present much of a threat. But man, I'm with you too. I would have been totally fine. I I, I guess I would have preferred that they went with Fedor, especially in that first round when he just about knocks out. Maldovsky out that first big right hand that he landed, and it was—it seemed like we were going to have shades of the exact same thing. He's not a big—I'm sure the Starry Oskol is not big fans of Ryan Bader at this point, but that looked close. Man, it was some high drama early, but I still think that fight is out there, and I think that is the right fight to make if uh, if Bader gets through Czech Congo. So this will be interesting from just that standpoint. I, although Bellator was already in Paris, UFC has yet to make it to Paris. But as soon as that law changed, of course, Bellator rolled out. I believe was that the Timothy Johnson versus Czech Congo card, yeah. in which Johnson won a very close decision and ended up getting his interim title opportunity. Uh, in closing, quickly, Chuck Moldovsky. He's only 29, so you still have to feel like his future's bright. He didn't get you know handled in this one. He had his moments and was able to you know, secure some, at least two clear rounds, it seemed. Uh, what do you yeah. need to see change from him to get over this hump? Honestly, a little more urgency. You kind of pointed it out. Because um, I, I thought it was fairly clearly two to two, right? Going into that final round, you'd like to have seen him selling out a little more. But at the same time, man, I mean, he he does ha he did have his moments. He's looked very good in the lead up, you know, to this fight, like his, his uh, previous fights. He's still young in that division, man. I... I know he'll have a bright future. Plus, man, when you're when you're training with the best guy, there's expectations. I'm sure that line reflected, you know, Fedor Emelianenko more than anything, just being from that camp and everything. So, uh, I think he looks good, man. Maybe a little more urgency, kind of knowing what's uh where the fight is at and 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 when to bring it at the end there. Yeah, you wonder if these two could end up seeing each other again down the road if Bader stays on top. Chuck, that co-main event had a somewhat interesting, similar storyline with former UFC lightweight champion Benson Henderson riding a three-fight losing skid, but across two divisions, always against top competition, we were wondering if Islam Mamadov was billed rightfully as top competition. He came in fresh off his own Bellator debut, beating Brent Premis, the former champ, by split decision. We would have another split decision in the end on this co-main event comp competed at welterweight. I'm sorry, at lightweight. Uh, Chuck, do you think the judges got it right? Let's start there. I scored it three oh, rounds, man. or sorry, two rounds to one for Islam Mamadov. You give Benson credit. He had the guillotine in round one. He yeah. had some big moments. How did you see it played out? I had it the same as you. Um, I mean, it was kind of a, a, a guillotine fest. Like it was like I felt like the uh, the chokes were just the constant threat. Uh, Benson Henderson, I th it's weird when you're fighting in your hometown. Like right, like he's got his family there. He's in his hometown of Arizona. You always wonder to what extent the judges are skewed just because the crowd is that on one fighter's side. Yeah, and you um, get inexperienced commissions on some of these states exactly. that you're not in regularly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, I thought I thought it went that way, too, but it's tough to say like the Benson Henderson. Like, he, he did enough. Like, I don't think it's controversial. Um, I thought he did enough that he put there was enough threat. You know, he thwarted enough takedowns. He was able to, like, win a couple of those scrambles. He showed some. I mean, dude, he'd lost three fights in a row. I wasn't sure what form you're getting in. I thought felt like his pressure, uh, the pressure on him in this fight was pretty big, because if you lose this one, I mean, you're you're pretty much. I, I think he's pretty clearly done at that point, or getting very close to it. So to pull it out, to dig deep, it was clear he had a very good camp for this fight. Nobody wanted to fight this guy, you know what I mean? And I I felt like he kind of stepped in, and that's kind of vintage 
you know, Bendo, right? Like, man, yeah. remember the Brandon Thatch back in the no, Nobody wanted to fight that guy either, and especially up a weight. And here he comes, Korshkov, same thing. Nobody wanted to fight him. He took him and lost that fight, but he just never backs away. So when you see these kinds of performances, it just reminds you how good he really is when he shows up to fight like that. Yeah, absolutely. And it was interesting, Chuck, in the post-fight interview, you know, it was great to see his kids there and for him to have this moment. I feel like, tell me if you if you read the same thing from his words, that he was almost... I mean, look, it's crazy to say this because he had a great camp, but I feel like he was expecting to lose and expecting to retire in front of his people, <laughs> Chuck, right? It was I almost like, was, I don't know what to do next. I didn't know I was going to win this, you know? No, I agree with you 100%. And I mean, that's where that first round became like kind of fun. That's what made this fight fun in general was just watching the way it all went down, uh, seeing him, you know, nearly near. I mean, I don't know how close it came to being a, a submission, but it, it seemed tight. You know what I mean? When it's happening and you just have these vintage moments. I love these guys who are former champions and they're in the twilight of their careers, but they somehow find that gear. So many times we've seen it. There's so grace, so few graceful outs in the sport. We see guys who just falter down the, you know, down the stretch, especially against the guys who are supposed to beat them. They're supposed to be the stake slid under the door situation. And you know what, man, he just didn't do it. I think you're right though. I think he probably looked at it like I'm going to, it's like the Rocky thing. I'm just going to try to go to this. I'm going to put up a good showing, but I'm probably going to lose, and this will be it. So I think he was a little surprised he won, man. Well, he says his future is uncertain. For Islam Mamadov, he didn't, you know, he didn't sizzle. But, you know, he didn't look yeah. horrible. He was in there against an experienced, tough guy. Look, he's got Habib Nurmagomedov in the corner. And did you see yeah. that little moment yeah. When Mamadov's in the choke and you see Coach Habib like, if you tap, I'll effing kill you. That's the look that Coach Habib <laughs> had right there. I got to believe, given given the iron sharpening iron in that camp, that uh, Mamadov will be fine. He may not be front and center in the Shmesh Factory's best offerings yeah. for the future, like, you know, Mahachev or Usman Nurmagomedov appear to be, but he's be pretty damn good, though, just the same, Chuck. It's hilarious to me, though, that anybody with that OV last name, Dagestan, you see any of these, and they're an automatic, like, you know, minus 300 favorite to beat whoever. It doesn't matter who they're facing yeah. at this point across MMA. And I have I have guys who are like degenerate gamblers who contact me, and every time they see a Dagestani fighter, it's like they're loading up. And I know they were loading up on this one. So, uh, dude, I mean, he that's that's a lot stacked against you when you really think about it for ben, Benson Henderson. So for him to come through was pretty cool, man. Yeah, for both, you know, both old guys, both 38-year-olds yeah. fighting in their yeah. home state there, though. Maybe maybe got a little hometown. I, yeah. I don't know. But, look, they survive in advance, <laughs> and that's what matters. You know who didn't, though, survive in advance, Chuck? Who You would think Your I boy. wouldn't put this in the first topic of the show, but Big Tuna Ben Parrish had become a one-night folk hero in a way that I, <laughs> I couldn't avoid. So I did question why Bellator was opening the prelims you know, the, the YouTube uh, fight card with this and not putting this forced into the main card like it's some Greg Hardy sideshow. <laughs> but it turns out in the end that 3-0 and Sullivan Cawley, he put it on, old Big Tuna. Uh, your thoughts after this, uh, you know, unique opening bout, Chuck? Well, man, you know, four months is a nice victory lap. Most of us don't get those four <laughs> months to kind of feel good about ourselves and to, you know fight bullying and everything else that was going on, man. I mean, the guy had kind of emerged as like, uh, you know, this kind of cult figure in MMA over those that time. This is the kind of fight, though, that it's a tough one, right? I mean, it was so one-sided. I didn't really feel like he had much of a chance here. So uh, I, I felt a little bad for him, to be honest, man. 
look, it's on brand, though, for him to take this L because his story is more about kind of coming over the top and surprising you. So I think yeah. there's some big victories left for for Ben Parrish. Uh, you know, I think you got to match you think him. so? Well, let's let's put it, you know, big could be a relative word. I want to see Bellator continue to feature him. And here's who I want him to fight. You remember that meat packer that Jake, that they put in there against Jake Hager? Remember that cult hero himself? Oh, yeah, I do remember him. Yes, I remember that I forgot that that fella's name. They got to make Big Tuna against our our, our buddy uh, Uncle Pauly from the the slaughterhouse. I'd like to see that fight. But, (laughs) no, let's see Ben Parrish bounce back. Did you think Sullivan Cauley looked like a, a future guy for Bellator? Or is it's it... tough to say, man. I mean, he he looked good in this fight, but you, you're like, is it just because Parrish is that bad? I don't know, man. He no. looked good, though. I mean, he looked good. I, I love me some Ben Parrish. All you right, do. we'll keep it rolling here. Uh, Habib, we mentioned him. He had a busy weekend. He was in Phoenix on Saturday, but on Friday, I, I had the day wrong, so dead wrong me right now. Last week, it was Friday night, Eagle FC 44, and the promotion headed by the former UFC lightweight champion, made its U.S. debut in Miami. Chuck, this turned out to be a mixed bag of, of, of like, feel-good stories with Rashad Evans. We'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, decent, elite-ish looking MMA. Then there's celebrity announcers. All in all, when you went back and sort of, you know, picked across the buffet and sampled it a little bit, what's your take on the current status of Eagle FC and what it maybe could be in the American MMA market moving forward? You know, man, we've seen so many promotions come and go. Like, I, I and I'm, I'm not one of those guys who puts a ton of stock into, like, the commentary and stuff like that, unless it's, like, th- that crazy Triller event where, like, it was just so mad. It was like a, a fun house, you know, like, that was going on yeah, that night. Pete Davidson, drunk. Ray Flores. <laughs> yeah, so they're, bizarre. Yeah, yeah. But, like, uh you know, I, I kind of dig it because, first of all, Chael Sonnen is uh, a voice that you get, you know, we're used to having. I, I like his his style. I liked Henry Cejudo, you know, like it was it was fine. All that was good. Um, the fights themselves were pretty good. I mean, ultimately, it's always there's always a little bit of a different skew, right? Like if somebody's fighting out of the UFC, they're not fighting in Bellator. It's like you kind of look at them with different eyes in a different promotion. So like you get guys like uh uh, Karatanov, for instance, or Tyron Spong, where you get like, you know, you get like your boy Rashad Evans and you just look at him different. Like you just kind of, it's like a reinvention. And so in that aspect, I kind of dig it. It was a very pro looking show. Some of the camera angles through yes. the fence and stuff like that were annoying. And they did a lot of obstruction stuff and a lot, a little bit of vertigo. But besides that, I thought that everything else was pretty good. Yeah, besides the vertigo, it was a good yeah. night. No, I actually they thought were, they it, were rolling that camera around a little too much, man. Yeah, I mean, look, I like the ambition at least. I thought it looked more yeah. professional than your average, you know, regional MMA show or even yeah. wannabe sort of next level show. They're going to have to build that roster. You have to believe that Habib's Smash Factory pipeline will help that. But I kind of liked it overall, Chuck. I'll say yeah. this. It's an ambitious announce crew. I, I forgot the name of the fellow who was sort of playing the de facto play-by-play role, but you did have yeah. with him Chael Sonnen, Henry Cejudo, and Kamaru Usman, as you mentioned. Right. Dude, it was kind of a, a a fun listen. To be fair, you know, I mean, it it's, was it's, it was different, right? I mean, it was like yeah. that's that's the thing. As long as it can distinguish itself a little bit, and I mean, those dudes, they're spot on, man. They know what they're looking at, so it was good. All right, Sergey Karatanov in the main event, a well-traveled heavyweight, has had some pro boxing experience in the last couple of years as well. I mean, Chuck, he put it on Tyrone Spong <laughs> in a second-round TKO. Jesus. You'll see a little bit more of that on Have You Seen This Shit, uh, Full Mount, all that. But, Chuck, the storyline out of this was obviously Rashad Evans, our friend of the program, really a friend to MMA, the UFC yeah. Hall of Famer. 
He hadn't won since 2013. He hadn't fought in, what, three, four years? At 42, to be fair, he was in there with an Uber driver and Gabriel Checo, but... Dude, Rashad looked like he turned back the clock from the standpoint of his speed and wrestling. How impressed should we be with this? About as impressed as you think you should be, which is like, you you know, you think he should win this fight. If he loses this fight, it's a really bad look. But the fact that he came back, and you know him, man, you work with this guy. He's such a down-to-earth guy. Every time I see him, I always ask him, like, uh, when you coming back, you know, when you going to do this thing? And he's been talking about it for a long time. So you did not want to see him in there with a guy who was, you know, potentially going to put him out because that would have been a very sad thing. I think it was the right sort of thing for a re-entry fight. You think about all the things he's had to go through, too. I remember just even the UFC 205 and 206 when he was trying to fight on those cards in New York, and I think it was Toronto, and he was getting bad testing. They would not uh, they would not com- um, sanction him for the fights. And you just think at that time, which was a long time ago now, how hard it was for him. And he's had multiple setbacks, like you mentioned, he hasn't won since 2013. But man, I still always think back to the Rashad Evans, and I saw little flashes of that again, where he had that swagger, man. He was walking across back on the tough days, and then when he knocked out Chuck Liddell in Atlanta, one of the first fight cards I was sitting uh, cage side at. It's just cool to see a guy who wants it that bad and is willing to train. He looked in good shape. Um, and he's willing to put in the work and and try to see something different at the end of his career rather than what had happened to him. So yeah, he was kind of my feel-good story of the weekend, man. To know what he's been through, like, mentally, physically, spiritually, just from the standpoint of, like, he never really had a twilight in MMA because injuries and and just yeah. kind of some bad luck. Like, like, let's not forget, his last win in 2013 against Chael Sonnen, he looked like he was ready for another title run. I mean, he he demolished Chael. He did. And then he had that that really unfortunate stretch with the injury and what, the, the cadaver didn't work out or whatever the heck that was, and he had to have the, the surgery done again. And then when he's, you know, making some desperate moves down to middleweight and losing to guys that, that really have no business, you know, having success against him, that's frustrating. So to know that know. he healed himself in every way, in this good a shape, not fighting a killer. I mean, I you know I don't mean to make jokes, but like yeah. this guy Gabriel Checo was was pushed as a submission expert, and uh, Uncle <laughs> Chael spent the whole fight talking about all the major mistakes this guy was making on the ground. Yes. You wonder if he could have caught a a heel hook there if he was a little more seasoned. But big win yeah. for Rashad. You just don't want to see him unnecessarily step up into a dangerous fight. Is right. there a world in which, because we never see this, is there a world in which a great ex, you know, an ex great fighter can coexist fighting as a like regional gatekeeper because they just love it. Is there a world in that? I don't think so, but I mean, you could, I, I would, I would definitely, if he wants to keep going and obviously like they're talking about like bringing him on for multiple fights, which it's always a, it's always a little weird when this happens because I think there was a point in time where I didn't want to see Rashad fighting anymore. I was happy to see what I thought was his retirement. So I don't want to see him. I'm with you. I don't want to see him in there against killers. Um, but at the same time, man, if he can find guys with names it kind of makes sense. You know, they, they sometimes they book these Twilight fighters against each other. Well, I'll throw you one. Okay, guess who tweeted about it? Okay. Uh, Tito Ortiz wants a trilogy with Rashad. Oh, man. See, that would be... I'd be okay with that. I'd be okay with that type of fight. Is that something Rashad I mean, it's want? sloppy that, that as shit, fight. but that could be an Eagle FC, like, strong co-main, right? Yeah. 
or maybe yeah. maybe maybe their biggest fight of the year. We'll see what happens with them. Um, <laughs> overall, I mean, I it's didn't hate it. That, you know, it wasn't bad, man. It wasn't bad. What'd you think about Ray Borg, who's who's somehow only still 28, former UFC title challenger, had a rough stretch personally and professionally, but he's bounced back. He had a rough first round against Cody Gibson, mm-hmm. but came back looking strong and said, "Quote afterwards, I'm still one of the best in the world." Could we see him, you know, get back into truly elite? Uh, you know, promotions again after this. I think so, man. I mean, I thought he at it is. I don't want to say his prime because honestly, he's probably just coming into his prime at 28 years old, man. But when he was younger and fighting in the UFC, you'd see him fighting, man. I thought I I put him up or, up there with the best in his class. He was that good. I'm almost of the belief that a guy like that sometimes has to get out of the UFC. It's like you have to get out of the UFC. I don't know if what it was. It was uh, there was just like a negative cloud kind of hanging over him, and I know he had his issues. You know, with uh, with his with his kid, and there he was had a lot glass of... in his eye from the uh, Habib Connor Dolly. Right? Yeah, yes. I mean, there, there's been a lot of issues, but sometimes if you get out of there, you know, you just put like you just put an episode behind you. You go find your bearings, and I think that's what he was doing. It was it was a great showing. I thought he looked pretty good. Find your bearings, get a few fights, and then if you return at some point to to that situation. Um, you come back stronger. I I think he's one of those guys, man. Like he he did not by any stretch feel like he wasn't still growing into who he was going to become. So I still believe in him, man. Uh, to close on on Habib's promotion moving forward, and obviously, look, uh, manager of the stars, Ali Abdelaziz, had a big role in this. You saw a lot of dominant MMA fighters in the crowd. I mean, even Joe, you want a champion was in the crowd too. They got a good yeah. South Florida sort of celebrity turnout. My big question is, what, like, who are you trying to be in this space? It's very crowded, of course, with UFC, Bellator, PFL, and sometimes one you know, having stake in terms of, of the big names. And then you've got your, your feeder promotions who sort of know their role as feeder promotions. I think it'll be interesting to see what Habib sort of defines long-term is his own lane. I say that because on one hand, he was asked about fighter pay and fighter treatment Mm -hmm. in the UFC. And he had a quote before the fight card saying uh, about UFC and Bellator, if they don't treat good fighters, or I guess he's saying their fighters good, Eagle FC is here. Okay, that leads me leads me to believe he wants to be something that competes, but then he's also revealing that he made an offer to Jake Paul. Yeah, we offered him. We offered him, Habib said. We offered him fight. Now we're waiting for answer. If he want, we're here. Chuck, I just don't think that's the right play for this for this brand, right? Well, yeah. it tells me that they're sort of still groping for their identity a little bit. And honestly, you're when you're in their position, you have the name you're associated with, Habib Nurmagomedov. You have some guys that have name value. I think that that's what you're trying to do. You're, you're trying to find the hook. I don't know what direction it's going to go. I almost like, because we know, like we, we talk about fighter pay, we talk about all this stuff. We know what the UFC pays its fighters. We know what Bellator pays its fighters. You almost want to have as many promotions that are viable on a national scale like that um, with good, um, you know, streaming or TV deals and all that for these fighters to, to want to go to that as possible. So in my mind, the most valuable thing that they could do is to be that right, to be the other, another alternative to those. And basically, you know, maybe you have some old names like uh, Rashad Evans, maybe you have a Caratana, but you also have some young guys. I think that that's the best, you know, rooting system for them to, to start getting rolling. I don't know about the, I don't know about the Jake Paul stuff. That's kind of it's like when you get into that game, it's a, it's a whole different ball game, and sometimes those places can go belly up pretty quick.
Yeah. Also, Kambache in this same sort of level yep. of space. We'll we'll see where he goes. Uh, if MMA fighter pay continues to be a, a monster topic, uh, Chuck, you can be uh, <laughs> you can feel yes. good knowing that at the highest ends of boxing, uh, they still get in rich batch. Big time news over the last few days. Uh, we know Tyson Fury will not be allowed to see his foes step aside to set up the Alexander Usyk undisputed championship fight. So Fury's going to face mandatory challenger and really the best heavyweight in the world who doesn't have a title at the moment, Dillian White. And they went to a purse bid for this WBC title mandatory fight. And Frank Warren, the co-promoter of Tyson Fury, who runs Queensberry Promotions out of England, set a new boxing purse bid record. You see the tweet there by Dan Raphael committing 41 and a quarter <laughs> million insane, dollars to earn the right to stage Tyson Fury versus Dillian White. The targeted date for this fight, Chuck, April 23rd in the UK. They want to do a massive, you know, outdoor soccer stadium. The fight's going to air on ESPN pay-per-view because uh, Fury, who's also co-promoted by, by Bob Arum of Top Rank, that's the side of the street he sits on. But, you know, quickly about the money here, if I'm right, I believe the Jesus. previous record for a purse bid. And if anyone doesn't know, in boxing, when when you got fighters on opposite ends of the street, but they get mandated by the sanctioning body, by the WBC, meaning you guys have to fight next. If the two sides can't come up with a deal on which network will, will run it, which promoter will be the lead, they go to a blind purse bid. I think the record, Chuck, was $27 million when Vladimir Klitschko Jesus. fought um, Alexander Povetkin. Like, you know, seven, eight years ago, there was a, a rich man in Russia who put up a just absurd amount, put up like 27 million so he could bring that fight to Moscow. This not only shatters that record, but Eddie Hearn of Matchroom Sport, who promotes <laughs> Dillian White and, of course, promotes Anthony Joshua and has ties with the zone. He bid blindly 33 million and came in second place. Chuck, uh, it's interesting to have you on today as a more of an MMA only guy. When you see this type yeah. of cashola being thrown around oh, for man, guys not it's... named Floyd or Canelo, good time to be alive on the on the heavyweight boxing scene, right? So is Warren kicking himself that he went to forty one million rather than just like bidding thirty four million? Like is that is that going on? Like he shattered. Like it was not even close. This it's, it's those wild. types of numbers on the heels of this Francis Ngannou. You know, getting six hundred thousand uh, dollar, you know, purse, and we don't know the full, like the full extent of that, but it's it's absurd. Even the step aside, you know, stuff that was going on on the sidelines where they were trying to work out uh, to get Usyk in there quicker against Fury. Like the step aside, like uh, with Dylan White and all that stuff, it's like he was going. He he won the lottery either way, right? Like he either stepping aside, making a lot of money, probably more money than you could make in an MMA at all. Or he's getting seven million dollars and potentially almost twelve million dollars. It's just a, that's that's a lot of winner right there, man. And it's, we don't have that in MMA. It's like it's the craziest thing ever to see yeah. those numbers so close together, right? Like when I you have to shake my head, Chuck. Strong. It's crazy, and I get, man. You know, I get a lot of fans tweeting back at me and going, "Hey, stupid, uh, you're the one that <laughs> should know this." Obviously, those elite main eventers in UFC are are getting a couple extra million in pay per view points. It's like, okay. So, you know, a couple mm. of them that can produce big pay-per-views. Yes. A John Jones, a GSP, a, a Ronda Rousey, a Conor McGregor, they'll receive a couple million extra. I've always argued they may get a little bit more as well because UFC, I believe, Chuck, yeah. wants the 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 outward image to be that they don't pay people. So they don't have to pay people, right? They can right. throw it to who they That's need to point. behind the scenes. But just the facts are staggering. Here's a fact. 
Gary Russell Jr., who headlined Showtime Boxing two weeks mm-hmm. ago, made more in that mandatory title defense, which he lost, by the way. He made more in that than the entire UFC 270 card. Sean Porter, crazy, man. as the B-side of his pay-per-view against Terrence Crawford last November, made three times what the entire UFC card did. <laughs> Chuck, it's not like boxing has one fight a year where everybody gets paid and then that's it and the rest of the sport is yes. dead. I mean, this is obviously the highest end with this heavyweight bout. And if you're looking for specific numbers, based on the these percentage split ordered by the WBC, which they do it based on the fighter's popularity level in terms of what they've previously brought in and made, Fury mm-hmm. will make $29.5 million. That's so crazy, man. Dillian White will make a career high 7.3. And here's the cool part. The final 10% of the purse, which amounts to $4.1 million, which is what, four times the amount of what everybody got paid at, yes. uh, or two times the amount. Yes. That goes to a, the winner. That's so the it's remainder. Like, yeah, so it's like a bonus winner take all. Now, if you're not a boxing fan, Dillian White is very capable of pulling the upset here. This will be a very good fight. Looking forward to that April 23rd. But damn, they getting paid. Uh, Chuck, to keep it here, topic three, a couple pieces of boxing news. Canelo Alvarez is mulling, of course, a May 7th return, probably Las Vegas. He wants to get back on that schedule of Cinco de Mayo weekend in May, Mexican Independence Day weekend in September, both in Las Vegas. Here's what we hear from ESPN's Mike Coppinger, that Canelo's uh, fielding two different offers. One, a one-off fight with the PBC to fight middleweight champion Jamal Charlo in May at 168 pounds for all four belts. And the other one, a two-fight deal with Eddie Hernan Dazon that would see him move back up to light heavyweight, fight unbeaten champion Dimitri Bivol for the WBA title in uh, May, and then come back in September in a trilogy against Gennady Golovkin, also at super middleweight. Chuck, um, you come in and out for Canelo fights. It's, it's the yes, biggest sir. name in the sport. Who would you want to see him face well, next as 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 a guy on the outside looking in here as a guy on the outside i i would like to but this is, i'm i mean i'm casual by that standard right but i would i would like to see that trilogy fight with triple g so if it can happen in september and you get two fights out of that deal that's the one i prefer but i mean honestly that guy has got the world eaten out of his hand doesn't he like yeah. he's yeah. like after the whole the zone uh what's happened there and now he's able to kind of pick and choose I always, again, this is just like we were talking about, uh, very few MMA fighters put themselves in positions to make you know, these kinds of decisions. I don't feel like there's a bad a bad route for him here, man. But well, honestly, I the, if I could choose it, though, I'd like to see the Triple G thing happen. And I think a lot of fans would. And not, not, I'm sort of so close in in the game. I realize Triple G is, is a little getting a little washy. You know, I have fear that that's just going to be a one-sided. But maybe that's more of me. He's almost 40 now, right? Is it yeah, maybe that's close? more of me being a Triple G fan yeah. and lamenting the fact that he had to wait so long to fight the best. But I think the two-fight offer is kind of meaningless from the standpoint that Canelo has all the power. He's the the free agent, promotionally and network-wise, who can fight anybody for the most amount of money. So it's not like he's going to go, oh, give me the security of the two-fight deal necessarily, right? I do think Jamal Charlo, um, for May at least, is the biggest pay-per-view he can make and, and would be... You know, would be would be big whether it's on Showtime or Fox. (laughs) It'd be a very interesting style matchup. I kind of hope he goes in that direction, but I have no problem, Chuck, if he fights one of the light heavyweight champions, whatever. Um, 
he's what's he's he doing right now? Because he's got time, right? He's got a little bit of time. Is he doing some golf tournament or something like that? He, or? He's living it up. Yeah, he's he's, he's, doing, a he's doing his life, man. He's, he's living doing the life. celebrity golf stuff. He's showing up at that uh, <laughs> at that rave with that uh, F1 driver doing drunken karaoke. I mean, he's living it, bro. Okay, you know? <laughs> I love it. I love it. He's wearing uh, pajamas everywhere he goes. Speaking of boxing, Chuck, I know this is going to fire you up. All right. The biggest fight in women's boxing history, at least from a credential versus credential standpoint, number one versus two pound for pound. It is booked. It is made April 30th, Madison Square Garden. It'll air on zone when Katie Taylor yeah. brings her four lightweight titles against seven division champion Amanda Serrano. Chuck, we've been building mm-hmm. to this a long ass time. Now that Jake Paul and MVP promotions got involved, it raised the stature of it. Look, style for style, Chuck, this is the fight in women's history. I know we saw Layla Ali versus Christy Martin. And, you know, I mean, I know we've seen a couple sort of celebrity matchups, but this is the goods right here. I say, Chuck, this is the time to make a statement and change these archaic women's boxing rules of two-minute rounds, of 10-round championship fights, of giant-ass gloves, and and, and do what's right here, you know? Oh, I agree with you, man. You know, it's it's a weird thing because coming from the MMA side, I know you saw this whole thing, too. There were critics, right? There were critics who didn't think there was going to be a draw. I know we're going to talk about uh, uh, some of that Bob Arum stuff in a minute, but, like, when... There were critics about female involvement in MMA, cage fights, and all that stuff. The greatest thing that the UFC ever did, and this was obviously Scott Coker before that with Strikeforce and other promotions before, but was to say, like, we're going to do exactly the same as what the men have going on, right? They're going to do five-minute rounds. They're going to do everything. Put them on. You know, you get Ronda Rousey. She makes this crossover. Dana White discovers that there's a cash cow, and I mean a transcendent cash cow, and it's a weird... It's a weird thing when um, people don't, you know what I mean? Like, like one side of it in combat sports doesn't really understand that that's a possibility. It is a huge possibility. And I really think that this particular fight happening at Madison Square Garden, I'm kind of getting the love. I feel, I feel like a lot of MMA people are paying attention to it. This is the kind of fight that could put it over in the biggest yeah. kind of way. So um, they ha- I, I agree with you 100%. It should be exactly like... A men's fight in that sense. There's really no reason to make these modifications at this point. Uh, Shout out to Eddie Hearn. Shout out to Jake Paul. Shout out to everyone involved. I'm glad both of these women are going to get paid. I'm glad style-wise, look, this is going to be a war. I mean, Katie Taylor is such an aggressive, come-forward boxer. Serrano's a slugger who could box or brawl. She can do it all. This is going to be fun, but not everybody loves it. So, so Chuck, here's the deal. When you get really old, if they keep putting a <laughs> microphone in front of you, eventually you're going to have a really My bad God. Bob Feller moment. What I mean by that is remember when Bob Feller was like 91 and they had him on like SportsCenter on a phoner and he said some disparaging quasi-racist, misogynist comment. I forgot what it was. And people are just like, Dude, what do you expect? This guy's born in like 1915, all right? No excuse in the modern era, but Bob Arum, the CEO of Top Rank, that same night, April 30th, he's going to have a can't-miss fight in Las Vegas when Shakur Stevenson and Oscar Valdez unified titles at 130. So he was asked whether, you know, that'll be a problem going to -to head-to-head. Here's Bob's response. ESPN couldn't care less. As good as a fight that is, come on, for whatever reason, people don't particularly pay attention to women's fights. Chuck, this uh, statement does not wear well when Michaela Mayer, one of the top rising women's boxers, 
is like a featured player on top rank in ESPN. In fact, they put her on the undercard commentary team uh, because she's, you know, sort of a growing star. You had Jake Paul respond with a tweet that said, men like this dinosaur are the reason women haven't been given a fair shake in many parts of society. Is is grandpa just telling the truth, Chuck, or is it time that we remove <laughs> no, this, this blatant no, 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 misogyny no. from the game? I mean, come on. We were just, I was just mentioning the Dana White thing, right? He was like, women are never fighting the UFC. As soon as it happens, you see the full potential of it. It's really, it comes down to, I, I honestly believe there's a, a huge appetite for combat sports and a competitive, and if you've got transcendent, if you've got transcendent players, like people who are very good, can back it up, but can actually talk the talk, it doesn't matter. I mean, I feel like people will pay attention to a big fight. They'll pay attention to a big fight. Um, but Bob Arum, I mean, I just feel like every time Bob Arum is brought up at this point, it's like, dude, he was 10 years old when the freaking Great Depression ended, man. Yeah, yeah. He was a teenager when World War II ended. I mean, this guy is like, <laughs> he's like a throwback to some other time. The fight world that uh, he knew back in the day is not the same thing and honestly man as crazy as it sounds if you're trusting business sense and un- understanding of where things are at the pulse of what's happening i'm trusting a jake paul over a bomb here at this point he's out of, he's too out of touch man he's too out of Dude, touch we'll get into it later in the show uh, of course people want to hear our take on this diss track but Jake Paul yeah. is using his platform to go after certain things that we could say he are is. wrong about combat sports. So it's, in, it's just interesting, it's right? Yeah. Um, you know, it it was oh god, Bob. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Thanks, Bob. See, in, in, in like boxing, this stuff actually happens Luke's, all the time. I would have liked to have heard Luke's take on this one, man. I yes. got to be honest. You, you little prick. You shut the fuck up, you little prick. All right, we mentioned Chuck uh, for topic four. We mentioned that Canelo Alvarez in boxing owns a kind of leverage and ability mm. to move around and, and call his own shot that nobody else does. He's the pound for pound king. He's the biggest draw in the sport. It makes sense. How about Kayla Harrison, the free yeah. agent, kind of trying the same thing, but ineffectively? Here's the deal. Kayla Harrison caught up with MMA junkie Danny Segura, friend of the program, MMA uh, MMA beat alumni. And she says, quote, the UFC made a good starting offer, but PFL is definitely the front runner. Now, Chuck, here's that's an interesting free agency hmm. update. I, I think from the beginning, I believe PFL had the best chance financially to lure her. Sure. But here's the interesting part that she told Danny. I had a plan in my head of what I wanted to do that would have been honestly ridiculously badass. You guys would have all said, all right, she's the GOAT. We will shut up now. It was going to involve multiple promotions, multiple belts, multiple weight classes, kill a legend to become a legend. I was. It was going to be badass, but it didn't pan out. Chuck, that tells me she yeah. had an idea to essentially go to, you know, I'm paraphrasing here or guessing, Go to Bellator and fight Cyborg mm-hmm. on a one-fight deal or whatever. Go to UFC and fight Nunes and just kind of yeah. jump around like House of Pain and show people that she's yeah. the best. The MMA promoters, they don't want anything to do with this type of uh, business plan. You know what <laughs> no. I'm saying? No. That's the problem, right? And especially the UFC. I feel like Scott Coker is actually open-minded when it comes to co-promotion or like lending or you know any of that sort of thing. But the UFC is absolutely closed off or traditionally has been to that sort of thing. But... It's strange in her position. In her position, PFL is basically a slam dunk for her to go cash another million dollars and then whatever she can get endorsement wise besides that. I mean, that's the route, right? Especially if you're going to have to sit on the sidelines now while Juliana Pena uh, plays out the, the 
the sequel, right, with Amanda Nunes, and that can't happen for a while. I just, I can't see why you would do anything. Her star power is not going anywhere, man. I feel like she has learned over the course of, like, you know, the last couple of years how to use her platform to advantage and put herself in a position where she's negotiating these kinds of things. I only feel like she's going to get bigger through this year, even if she fights nobody's. You know what I mean? She's only going to, and whatever it is, I do feel like, you know, there's that footage of her like cussing when Amanda Nunes is losing the fight. I know what's, you know, I know they were teammates, all the things that are kind of going on, the fallout, uh, Amanda opening her own gym, all that stuff. But I really believe that that was a big time, you know, payday for her. If she was going to segue the UFC, that was it. And once that happened, the PFL, I think, was the forerunner from that part, right? Like from that point on. It's a million bucks. I mean, literally, it's like it's yeah. she can go to make that deposit tomorrow. The only thing about that PFL million bucks is it comes in a short tournament season format, and that's why she yeah. told Segura uh, it'd be impossible for her to make 145 pounds four times in five and a half months to complete the PFL tournament yeah. and schedule. Um, not tournament, regular season and playoffs, you get what I'm saying, but yeah. that she would have to be a 155er. I got the feeling, Chuck, that she's like, all right, I'll go back to PFL if I have to. I know I can jack up my price there a little bit more and sort of, like you said, continue mm -hmm. to push my brand and dominance out there. But I think she either needs Cyborg and Bellator or any of the elites in UFC to fully stamp that she is. I agree with you. You know, top three pound for pound, maybe even number one for all we know. And I think that, you know, Luke and I have debated this for months that she wants to be great so badly that as much as PFL will make the most dollars and cents, I just mm -hmm. wonder if UFC can just jack that up a little bit more, whether she just bites at it, right? And I love the ambition yeah. of looking at this like, I'm the star, I want to change the way yeah. stars are presented, but what level of superstar, Chuck, would it take for somebody to get to that point where they can call their shots in a Canelo-like way? You know, she's not there, with full respect. No, she's not. And I but, mean, we're, we're watching Nganu. I mean, we're watching Nganu. Like, this is a guy who uh, put himself in a position. He's gambling on himself, all this stuff. He wasn't able to really budget either. We'll have to see how that plays out. But I do think that Kayla Harrison has, I mean, she has as much shine as you can possibly have outside the UFC coming in. If she were to come in, that opens up so many possibilities. Obviously, that Pena, that, that Pena thing, if, if Nunez goes through her, there there's a whole... You know, that thing is revisited. You could almost start to put an asterisk on the first fight. I don't think it was a fluke, but, like, you could start to put an asterisk that whatever, being complacent in that fight. That there, Those big fights are there. The only thing that sucks about her going to PFL is I don't know if Chris Cyborg will still have the same, you know, panache coming out of yeah. 2022 and stuff like that. So I'd rather see it now. You'd rather see it now while they're kind of at these high places in their marketability and just general interest than down the line. Well, PFL just signed last year Julia Budd, the former Bellator featherweight champion. You wonder if someone's going to pick up Megan Anderson, who's, you know, a big 145-er and, and would be an interesting sort of opponent if PFL yeah. can grab her. Um, you know, I, I kind of, you know, if I, it's weird. I want to see Kayla tomorrow in UFC against the very best. Yeah. But if I could storybook this for her, and I have no idea what the talks between her and Bellator were, or if it was ever serious, I, I kind of feel like the natural progression would be go to Bellator Prove you can beat somebody as legendary as Cyborg first yeah. on a short contract and then go to UFC from there. I but, mean, you know, that's escalation. If you did it in that route, like that, she would be huge. I mean, I think that at that point, especially especially if it's Amanda Nunes and she recaptures her title and you, that that was the escalation or Harrison's coming off of a Cyborg victory. I mean, can you imagine how big that fight would be? That would be huge, Lots man.
It'd be monster. Yeah. And her final quote on her future was anything I sign with any promotion will be very, very short contracts. Yeah. You can't buy my soul. End quote. I mean, that, that makes sense because she doesn't want to get yeah. locked in anywhere. Maybe, you know, probably it's probably one more PFL season and yeah. then get the money with UFC. That's probably the, the path. The greatest thing, on. though, is the PFL. Like, I don't know how much people would be paying attention to it without Kayla Harrison. You know what I mean? I feel like a lot well, of there's the a lot interest... of smart cage fans out there, apparently. Joe, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a very but, intelligent cage. You got to give it that. Okay. It is that. It is that. But I mean, honestly, it's like, I, I think that it's a boon for them to kind of have her, obviously, but like she draws the eyes as she's proven that she's a, she's a star in the making there. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Uh, topic five, Chuck, we always close with some quick hitters. People think we do it because we're lazy, but there's just a lot of fun news out there that, you know, I want yeah. the people to get your take. Number one, speaking of manager of the stars, Ali Abdelaziz, he says publicly that the best featherweight fighter in the world today, Zabit Magomed Sharapov, is back training and has entered the USADA pool. Ali yeah. plans to speak with UFC next week about Z Zabit's potential return. And he also had a cryptic IG post, Magomed Sharapov, which said, on February 28th, I will destroy someone. Chuck, this is the guy, okay? I, I saw the third round against Jeremy Stevens, and I'm still telling you, this is yeah. the damn guy. I love me some Zabit. Can we get excited now that it's not all over? That this is oh, that this is that this is happening. Well, regardless if we can or not, I'm excited. I'm like you, man. I had him kind of dog-eared to be the guy who's going to take over that division at one point. He adds so much dimension to that that whole weight class. But man, I gotta say, like the one thing that you know. You get asked a lot of questions. The one question that we get all the time on the other podcasts and just I've, I've had people asking me is like, what's up with Zabit? When is Zabit coming back? And it's like, nobody really knows, man. I mean, I feel like we've been in this uh, for the last year, year and a half. You've been in this like holding pattern. Not sure if he was going to come back. So the fact that he's coming back at all or that, that all signs point to that is good news. I love him. I think he's an awesome fighter, man. He's been around the guys who you know, they, they they know what they're doing, and I feel like we're only scratching the surface. I don't even feel like I know his entire arsenal yet. Like he, where he was at, and the guys who was being like the Calvin Cater fight, that people keep talking about. Yeah, but he was kind of changing it. If it's a five round fight, it was going to be different. I mean, the truth is, we just don't have all the answers with Zabit so far. So I'm I'm excited to see him back in there to fill in those blanks. To be honest, man. Yeah, did I say Jeremy Stevens? I meant that third round with Calvin Cater where, yeah, yeah. where it got a little sideways for him, of course. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I, I joke around, but I think he has the potential to be the best. He's got a lot to prove to us if he can get back. He'll be 31 in March, but would just like to see him back in any form as long as he's healthy to do that. He he presents a very, very interesting uh, skill set for this division and size yeah. and, and smarts and all that. Uh, Chuck, uh, Conor McGregor revealed in an Instagram post, which of course served as a commercial for Proper 12, just the same, that he's close to starting a training <laughs> camp, which would make sense because we're guessing that he's coming back for International Fight Week in July, but will do so sober and, quote, complete abstention from mm. alcohol. Chuck, this would be different, of course, from the Habib Nurmagomedov training camp in which he admitted it. He, let's he drank be fair, it at the Chuck, press conference. He sort of said it without saying it, that the whole Habib camp was like, Rockstar party lifestyle, if you know where yes. I'm going with that. Okay. White lightning, brother. Yeah. That's where I'm going with that. Yeah. Um, do I don't know if the Dustin Poirier comeback fight camps had the same, you know, had, I know he was, he looked great against Cowboy in the camp and in the fight. I don't know if he went back on the sauce for the two Dustin fights, but does this do anything? 
Because when you look, when you're Connor, you're always going to have a ninth live. There's always going to be people sure. going, you know what? F it. I believe in this guy again. Does the idea of sobriety in training camp make you believe again? Why not, man? I mean, honestly, if that's really the if that's the play, if that's kind of the direction he wants to go, it's like it's just one more like little subtle seed planted right from him to say like, you know what, man, I wasn't taking it as serious as I should have been or whatever. You know, it's like you can keep planting these seeds. If that's really the case, and if sobriety is going to help him get back what uh, where he was at, I'm all for it, man. But I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see, right? Like it's it's interesting to see a, a whiskey baron swearing off the the sauce going in. If I mean, it, it should be just kind of taken for granted that probably you're doing that. But this is Conor McGregor, a whole different a whole different animal in this game, man. All right. If UFC does move forward with Dustin Poirier versus Nate Diaz, which Dana just said what last week. I want it, and both fighters want it. So let's let's book yeah. it already. Who does Connor fight in July? God, man, I would love to see him fight Max Holloway, but <laughs> I don't yeah. think that's going to happen. Um, who do you like? I mean, the thing about when he fought Cowboy was yes, it was a it was a soft touch. It was a get well fight. Okay. Yeah. Yes. But it was under the auspices that he was going to fight three times that calendar year, something that got taken away by COVID. Yeah, his season, right? Is that what he called it? Yeah. If we're under the belief that Connor is ready to go back on a full-time schedule for the first time in a long time, I mean, you can argue last year was a was – a, he tried a full-time schedule. He fought twice and then got injured. Mm -hmm. But if he's willing to do it and considering the injury, could I be coaxed into some in-between fight? That's a, it's a softer, it's mm -hmm. it's not a soft landing on the cowboy level, but it's also not a title fight or a Jorge Masvidal pay-per-view fight. Like what about him versus RDA, dude? It's not, there's nothing soft it's about that, by happen, the way. You know? For no, the record, I mean, there's nothing soft about that. But what no. about a fight like that? That would be a tough fight for sure. I would be completely uh, in favor of something like that because honestly, he's operating on such a different level. And he has so much casual interest. You don't have to have him in there against some killer like who's going to, you know, take his head off and take the rest of his mojo from him. What you want to do is have him go in there and beat somebody, right? Like you're mentioning with the Cowboy Cerrone. Look how much his star potential raised again just after coming back and getting that one win. It was like all of a sudden so many of the narratives were reintroduced. All those things came back. It seemed like he was the moneymaker again. He was the guy he just beat Cowboy Cerrone. You know, a lot of guys are beating Cowboy Cerrone at this point of his career. So I think you're right. It wouldn't be bad. It would just be smart business as a businessman to come back and try to take on somebody you really feel confident you're going to beat. And the UFC would be smart to do that because then you can get a big fight. I think if you put him in any kind of really big fight right away, it's just the kind of precedent and favoritism that has made so many people turn against the UFC, right? Like all these guys who can't get shot. So... They're in a weird position, but I would prefer, honestly, that they do that. If he, you're 100% right. You nailed it when you said if he's coming back and he intends to stay and he wants to have multiple fights, a build-up fight would be the perfect way to go. And to be fair, this is the treatment that really only he would get and deserve right. because of his star value. We all know that. We're all saying that up front. How offended yeah. would you be if they rolled out Frankie Edgar in a retirement fight at Lightweight? Wow. I wouldn't be offended at all, man. First of all, I would love it because it would almost be like this uh, lifetime achievement award for Frankie, right? Like, hey, yeah. man, thank you. Here's what you get as a parting gift, that type of thing. That would be great for him, uh, line his, his pockets a little bit. And honestly, that would be an intriguing fight. I'd be down for that. Okay. Okay. All I do yeah. is matchmaker. They don't pay me for You're it. You're a matchmaker. 
Speaking of Cowboy Cerrone, he is targeted for an April 30th return against one Joe Lozon in uh, Old Guy on Old Guy Crime. It could be wild. It could be gross. Your thoughts on this, Chuck? <laughs> well, we haven't seen Joe Lozon a lot. The one thing I will say is Joe Lozon likes to he, – he's not a crusher, right? He doesn't go in there trying to, like, injure, injure life with one big right hand or something like that. So it's a little bit of a, a softer landing between two veterans who can mix it up in a lot of different ways. If you're going to book Cerrone and if you're going to book Lozon, that's the kind of matchup I'd like to see at this point. So I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a big appetite for it. Like, I don't need to see it, but I'm fine with it. If both those guys want to fight each other and they feel like they've not, uh, you know, they've not had the chance and this is it, go for it, man. Cowboy is 38. He hasn't won since 2019, but he's so active that uh, he's lost yeah. five since then, including one no contest against Nico Price. So and Lozon's five... been out like since that time too, right? Like yeah, he's been I mean, out dude, it would time. have it would take a lot for the UFC to cut Cowboy, right? I mean, he's it. Would you say he's in that <laughs> that Matt Hughes, Forrest dude. Griffin, Stephen Bonner, we love you yeah. for life category? I think so. I think Dana really loves him, and I really do believe that. So he, he, probably Cowboy. Um, set a bar for every other fighter to kind of hate him for, which was always saying yes. Because then yes. you have this expectation from UFC, like, hey, Cowboy says yes. He's used that example so many times. But the truth of the matter is he is that guy, right? Like, he's like, he's always willing to step in and fight. And I think that the UFC, you know, has big-time gratitude for that, man. He saved him a bunch of times, too, like stepping in on short notice and things like that. So, yeah, I think he's going to get that treatment. Just like you scouting ladies on your college freshman dorm room floor, the UFC loves people that say yes, Chuck. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes Good comparison. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Chuck, where did you go to college that people need to know? I went to a place called Metropolitan State in Denver. Wow. Don't look okay. for it. No, you could look for it. It's on the Aurora campus downtown Denver. Okay. I never even yeah. heard of it. That's great. I mean, I, I went to... I usually Valley say Community that people College. are like, isn't that where Spider-Man went to school? You know, but, but what, where did you go? I, I did a couple of years at Naugatuck Valley Community College, Chuck. Then okay. I went, then I did, I served time at Southern Connecticut State University. Okay. Served uh, yeah. time. All right. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like pretty good. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, yeah. uh, Chuck, Paul Craig, the light heavyweight future contender, possibly. He's back to face Nikita Krylov March 19th in London. Krylov, Krylov, Krizolov, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Uh, good, good ass fight, Chuck. Your thoughts? I don't mind that. That card's actually going to be fun, man. I mean, they're they're adding some like that. That's a that's a fun banger fight right there. So, um, I'm down with it. I like that. I like that matchup. Oh, I skipped over one here, Chuck. Uh, okay. Ronda Rousey won the Royal Rumble Saturday oh, night. Oh yeah. Just four months after giving birth to Laakia Makalapua Okalanipo Brown. I was going to ask if you could pronounce that. All right. Yes. Good. Yes. Chuck, uh, do you effing care at all? <laughs> Not really. Um, I was interested. Obviously, I, I I thought she was going to be on it. I thought she was going to get one of those late numbers, and she, you know, we'd hear the uh, whatever Joan Jet song kick on. Sure yes. enough, it happened. My son, I was watching with my son, and he was like, "How'd you, how'd you know? You called it, you know." But I'm like, "Of course, you know, this is going to happen." I didn't care, but it was interesting to see the pop, man. Didn't you? Yeah. I mean, it seemed like she got a huge pop in St. Louis, which is. I, I wasn't sure what she'd get, but I felt like she got the biggest pop of the night, man. Like well, it was pretty crazy. They're not afraid to 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 put the some pop in on the uh on the arena speakers as well. They're okay. not afraid to do that. Well maybe but, that's uh, what it was. 
<laughs> it had an MMA flair as yeah, Brock Lesnar also won the men's Royal Rumble the same night yeah. with the 30th. I didn't watch it. It's been called the worst Royal Rumble of all time. It seems par for the course in what's driving me away <laughs> from this genre it. for good. No, you, I'm, you, look, go, you dude, go in and out. Like You go in and out of the wrestling world. The thing like, is, when I go in, Chuck, you go I'm way in. in. Bro, I'm, I'm I am in, bro. Okay, and I and I'm out right now, and I'm out with yeah. a, with a bang. Right. And it's no disrespect right. to AEW, I love them, but the other the other people, the Vince McMahon's, they they've they've robbed me of the spirit of this. Of yeah, they've robbed. I me understand. I get it. Uh, speaking of light heavyweights and your time in college, uh, Jan Blahovich has pulled out, Chuck, of his March 26th <laughs> bout against Alexander Rakic due to an undisclosed injury. This sounds like a phone call to the one and only Mr. Must-See TV himself. Anthony Smith can fix this problem, Chuck. Yeah. Or they could just postpone the fight, right? Because if you're trying to... I don't know the injury. Do you know what the injury was? It was undisclosed up okay. to this point, all right? If, if he's able to roll, um, obviously, like, I'm guessing this fight has title implications just where they're at in the rankings. Like, uh, so if you if you wanted to kind of match it up, because they do this timing-wise anyway to May or June, you've got the Glover to Sheriff um, title defense happening in May. So they could do that. But, yes, if it's one of those injuries that's going to keep him out, um, blow, uh, whatever his name is, Yawn, like, if he's going to be out, like, an extended period of time, Anthony Smith, 100%, he should jump in there. I mean, it makes sense in the rankings. Jan Blahovich yeah. is number one. Prochka yeah. is number two, but he's got the title fight. Rakic three, and then you got Anthony Smith yes. at number four. And you know, all jokes aside, Anthony Smith is on a very good run right now, and he's looking, he's looking you to hate be him, back. You I hate love, him. I, he's actually the nicest guy. I mean, he's really, and he's a, <laughs> he's a really good broadcaster and like he's radio awesome, host man. and podcast host. It's just he got caught in the crossfire, Chuck. It happens, he right? Did, he got, yes, I've, I've been caught in that crossfire. I know what that's like. Uh, Chuck, do you care about Misha Serkinov against Wellington Terman? February 26th at UFC Vegas. Not really, but Wellington Terman sounds like a guy who travels with very expensive luggage, doesn't he? Like, nice handbags. <laughs> best, <laughs> yes, best handle since Samsonite. Yes, go yes. love it. Uh, and finally, in our quick hitters, Chuck, uh, Chael Sonnen has been cleared yeah. of all charges related to that Las Vegas battery case at the Luxor. Would you say still undefeated, Chuck? Yeah, I would actually. You know what, man? He was, if, if I understood the situation right, he was uh, sticking up for his wife or there was somebody being rude to his wife or whatever. Wasn't that yeah. the, the gist of this? Hey, come on. Leave I mean, it in Vegas. And at you'll the Luxor. That, you'll Bad see that in real. At the Luxor. First of all, Chael, what the hell are you doing at the Luxor? That's okay, can we upgrade that, please? Because, you know, Chuck, I always make the joke there's a line. And when you're a regular Vegas hotel stayer, as we are in this business, there's a yeah. line that everybody draws for themselves. Some people's line is lower. Some people are like, nah, dude. bro, the Tropicana ain't bad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, dude, the Luxor is well below that line of acceptability. Oh, my God. Okay. It's the... So in the ranking system, like there's the the Hooters Hotel, which I think they've re since renamed. I had to stay there a couple of times back uh, in the day. Now that's the they, that's they the have dollar blackjack. That's that the that's the well, yeah. There was dollar blackjack actually. That's the bottom rung. But then you had the Luxor, Tropicana, Circus, right? Circus, and Circus, Circus. So Excalibur. All those yes, Excalibur. That's the one. Excalibur, really bad. So yeah. you wanted to be across the street, you know, you wanted to be MGM Grand or you wanted to be one of those. Well, here's so. a here's a tough question. This is a tough question because okay. I've recently put below my line officially both the MGM Grand and New York, New York. I mean, the thing is, I like okay. the New York, New York restaurant casino scene. Yeah. I like it as a cut through to the arena. I like it. Yeah, the I proximity don't like to the arena. I don't like staying there. And the MGM Grand is, is an absolute asshole now. Okay. 
Me and you rode the roller coaster one night. Remember that? that Dude, I almost threw up. I had like the, the with the <laughs> with the 3D face mask on and stuff. Oh that my was, god, I was yeah. that was nauseating. I remember that. Yes, yeah, I those two old guys trying yeah. to you yeah. know remain relevant, just like yep. the show today. All right, Chuck, that'll do it for our five <laughs> topics. Let's get into segment number two, where we give you the viewer a chance to ask us the tough questions every oh. Sunday night on Instagram at Morning Combat. We put up the post. Chuck, the picture was of you and I. In like merch with like our arms around each other on the couch, it was a little awkward, right? Yeah, yeah. it was awkward but comfy. I mean, it was good. Well, okay. you know. you're, like, you're like it was. Warm. We had a movie on. It was just <laughs> yeah. playing low. All right, this one's called <laughs> DMs from dogs. Hee haw, hee haw. <laughs> All right, we start with at Aurelius ninety two. Chuck, let's go to you on this because okay. you're benefiting from this. I, th I think you all are. Right. I don't know. All Maybe right, this is right. a chore for you. Now, why, why is Luke on vacation every other month? Because that cat is in a different tax bracket than us, man. I mean, he's able to do whatever he wants, I think. <laughs> I honestly don't know. Is, it, is he on vacation a lot? Like, I, I feel like he all kind right. of is. He well, kind I of think, is, Here's right? the deal with him. And this is a, a philosophical debate that we all have when it comes to our jobs and vacation time and our family. Yeah. Um, I personally think that when you get to this level, you're allowed to take three week vacations a year. I mean, you get you get the time yeah. it's paid for. You got to unplug to be this good, Chuck, to do stuff like yeah. this every day or MK all day, nearly every day. You got to be like refreshed and what? But my problem is I cap that like when my wife's like, hey, we should go away in a couple of months. I try to cap it at a week max. Right. Yeah. I thought Luke was going to be back today, and then I find out no, no, he's not going to be back till Friday, Bruh. We're doing, we're still doing two <laughs> week vacations in twenty twenty two. Um, so you know, and by the way, my wife's on that same side of the street as he. She's always saying, yeah. you know, can we can we go away for a week and a half, two weeks, three weeks? Chuck, See, I, I can't never done that. I've never that. done that. No. I've never done that. Not since I've been uh, full, you know, basically full time in MMA. I don't think I've ever taken a two week vacation that I'm aware of. I don't remember doing that. But you, you know, can't. If, you usually can't. There's too much going on at all times. If Luke is watching right now on the beaches of uh, Columbia, then I saw the pictures he texted us. It was beautiful. I wish him well. Yeah. His lovely family. If this is what he needs to get right, Chuck, okay? Because okay. he's an ornery blowhard, that guy, all right? Yeah, I know. Okay. I know he is. All right. But, you know, the, <laughs> so I guess we can he, we, we can mention he's in Colombia. I thought that this was top secret. Well, right. he told us we can't, but all then right. he's putting it all over all, all right. over all his right. IG story. All right. There's okay. All right. Latin women all over him and stuff. I mean, what does his family have, Chuck, that we don't? That he has uh... to choose them over us. Right? <laughs> Curves. Amen. I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked that close. All right, Chuck. Uh, this one's from Brad Dougie Stevens. Just like Bizping and Sonnen. Who will be the next current fighter to retire and become successful in the YouTube podcast world? Can I also add one Brendan Schaub to that list? Oh, okay? yeah. Because he's also successful and thick with like a, yes, a couple C's in a row. Okay. Is he that still, so is he still, is Brendan still kind of a, because I think for a minute, man, he, he was kind of like the top of the charts with the whole Rogan Oh, you know, you'd was, be surprised. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, he was Chuck. up there. So you've Chuck, let's go like full that? disclosure here. Okay. You followed him on a comedy tour, correct? I didn't follow him. I went out and met him at Zany's in Nashville for a piece. So I saw him do three sets there um, and met some other comedians and stuff. But that was fun, though. It was pretty cool. And I got reamed. I mean, reamed for writing a positive. I, I, I guess it wasn't a glowing thing, but I was I was being positive 
and I framed the article poorly. I had to turn it around so fast, I didn't have time to really do it the correct way. So I got reamed for like actually giving him kudos and saying he was funny, man. You're allowed to tell the truth, Chuck. If he's funny, say he's funny. I was telling the truth. The crowd loved him, man. It was three sellouts. The crowd was going crazy. I I tried to spar with him on the air. He wouldn't take the bait, all right? Really? Dude, the... one uh, one of the performances, the uh, the Tennessee Titans were there. They're all like laughing, hooting it up. I mean, that dude, he's he's got it going. People don't want to accept it, but he's got it going. Tough ending for Steve McNair, though. Just the same, right? The, yeah, it was a tough ending. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. You know, I mean, I think there's enough time removed where we can talk about. Yes, it, we can talk about that now. Yeah, I think it's... Sahel Kazemi. What was her name? Yeah. Wow. Okay, yeah. Chuck. Who do you think fits that trifecta of success that only Brendan Schaub, Chael Sonnen, and uh, one uh, who's the other guy? Gosh, man. Uh, Bizping. Look, obviously, there are certain personalities that are going to work in this type of independent YouTube, you know, variety show that we do here. Who do you think of today's fighters has this potential? Gosh, I mean, O'Malley's already doing it, bro. O'Malley's already doing uh, it. I mean, that's the thing, right? It's got to be somebody with a command. It's got to be somebody with that kind of command because a lot of the people they use for the ESPN or ESPN and UFC broadcast and stuff, they're smart, they're analytical, but they're they're boring. Um, I don't know if they would be able to carry that type of show. You got to have like an entertainment thing to you, right? Like you got to have something more. That's tough. I don't, nobody pops to mind. Well, you got to be willing to take to give hot takes that could upset. It's you yes. know, in some ways, it's similar to like when you're an announcer, you got to give. You know, if you're a color commentator for UFC, you got to give sometimes harsh takes about active fighters. But this is a little different. You've also got to be able to carry it personality-wise. Um, it's not yeah. jumping out at me. Who who is who's got that vibe? I mean, maybe Sean Strickland, ah. but it could be a dark one. You know, it could be oh my god, one. can you imagine? But no, see, I can't. I, can't. I would be <laughs> intrigued by his first couple, right? Like, I'd want to know what he's going what he's going to say because that's uh, that guy goes down some dark paths, man. And the more you Peel back about his past, the more it's like, oh my God, what? Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. nobody did a, uh, you know, credit check on this. It's guy. funny in, in boxing, no like here. in boxing, we don't really have this, you know. Like yeah. like Tim Bradley and Andre Ward are great transitional broadcasters. I really like what Sean Porter's doing, but you don't get a lot of fighters who are capable of pulling this off and, and being good on the mic, whether it's in a professional setting or in a, yeah. you know, podcast setting. MMA, maybe it's maybe the. Maybe the, I don't know what's I don't safe. Know for what Chuck. it is? Is it but safe Chael to get Sonnen, punched in the head? That's where he changed the game, man. Yeah, I, I, maybe that is it. I mean, I think he changed the game, like because it was it was, you know, his ability to just show up and command a room at press conferences and to command every time somebody put a mic in his face, he knew what to say. I mean, I think he changed the game. So if he set the bar, maybe some of the guys are like, hey, for me to actually uh, do something like that, I need to be more willing you know, to give those opinions and stuff. I feel like he kind of changed it a little bit. So I got to give all, him all the credit for this. What about Adesanya? What about Derek Lewis? Derek about... Lewis, maybe. Although he's so shy, really, you know? That's I a good feel like point. he's not, he's a little bit introverted that way. Like, Izzy would be okay. I think he would have no problem giving a, uh... but you know what's funny, man? I, does he have that entertainment it thing? I, you know, I feel like he has it as a whole package. You know what I mean? But like, yeah. Some when people you're have it about... to just, sell themselves yeah. in the moment but they might not have it to week to week talk about the product and be entertaining that's the thing, man. You know. it's yeah, tough it, it it's is tough. pretty interesting here uh i'd listen to a dom cruise podcast i know that would be different it wouldn't be as you know that would be cool but it it'd be it'd be it'd be interesting um, now that he's eaten so many mushrooms and stuff like and he's kind of like you know has he well 
I've heard stories. You know what I mean? I don't know if he's really. I, I, maybe I'm being fed false information. But dude, we he should has, go lick toes he's with got, him and Rashad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a, he's got some. Uh, He's got deep takes, man. Have you heard him recently? Like he's, it's all enlightenment and love, and I mean, uh, he's like you talking about Dom Cruz, late, the guy who yeah, told Dom us Cruz, he's having his late Beatles moment. Like he's kind of becoming more, he's expanding. You know oh. what I mean? So I'd be interested right. in that. Okay, yeah, that's a very interesting take. All right, this one's from Sergeant <laughs> Molina, BC. Who would you rather be locked in a room with for twenty four hours, Sean Strickland or Mike? Oh my Perry? god! Um, Whoa. Wow, this is, a, this is a long time, man. A loaded question here. But Damn. Are they basically saying who you're less likely to get Benoit by? Is that where we're going with this? Or uh, <laughs> I think uh, I would have a way to navigate the craziness of Mike Perry easier. Yes. I, mean, I don't know, Chuck. I've always, like, I kind of like a little crazy. I kind of like, you know what Same. I mean? I kind of, I, like I kind of. Yeah, I like a little, like, little raw energy out of somebody. You know what I mean? I've, I've been like that growing up. I, I could. I could chameleon my way around like the high school hallways and talk to the to the to the stoners wearing the drug rugs, talk to the metalheads, yeah. talk to the wannabe gang members, talk to the this, talk to you know what I mean, and just kind of like fit like, in. Yeah, your your worry with Mike Perry might be that he just he tells so many stories that at some point you're like, I mean, he I feel like he'd be funny for the most part. He'd sit in there and kind of uh, tell you stories and say crazy shit, but with strong Sean Strickland, I mean, at some point he may just try to shiv you. You know what I mean? Well, he yeah, to, or he, he may just, just like, we pick up a hitcher and he just starts like, you know, dismembering him in the back. I mean, it's, everything's <laughs> possible here, okay? All right? I mean, this would be a great uh, documentary, right? Speaking of MK yes. Docs, right? Okay. Uh, this one's from atholmes.joel. How high is the ceiling on Tim Zhu and where does BC rate him against the Charlos and Castaños of the division? Chuck, if you don't know this, Tim Zhu is the son of Boxing Hall of Famer Kostya Zhu. He is an unbeaten junior middleweight out of Australia, and he's right at that point, Chuck, where he has just beat the big-name former guys, champions from Australia that he could beat, like the Jeff Horns, those type of guys, and he's ready to like go on the global scene and come to America. I think I rate him pretty high. Like, do I know he could be and contend with a Charlo or Castaño at 154? I think he contends against them. Does he beat them? We'll have to see. But what I've seen so far from Tim Zhu is great poise, very precision punching, seems to just have that thing of being a son of a legend in any sport that they have, this sort of like natural comfortability with the moment and the expectations and the, I mean, it's like, you know, Chuck, like, Shout out to our dads, but if we yeah. could have grown up in the shadow of dads doing something just dynamic, it would have just osmosis, you know, just fallen on us, right? You know what I mean? Yes. Um, yeah. I think he's going to be special. I think he's going to win a world title. Could he beat a Jermel Charlo? I don't know, but I got to see it. Have you seen anything from this kid yet? This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999.
That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Not yet, man, but now I'm, uh, you've got me psyched to check them out. Um, All right. You know, you mentioned these guys, and I, I, it's something you know that I would like to see more of, like just get into boxing. I feel like it's it should happen, but do you really think that at this point, or is this just your enthusiasm, that boxing is at a spot that it hasn't been in our lifetime? I feel like at this moment, like you're mentioning these guys like that who are coming up and there's so many good names. You get these heavyweight guys. Now you're seeing these figures come out where the prices, I mean, the, the price, the purse price is ridiculous. Like, right. And you I feel like people are excited to see these guys. Fury, the cross pollination with some of the MMA guys, just all of it. Do you feel like it's in this great spot? I feel like boxing is better now than it's ever been. Yeah. And, and you know, here's the thing. So boxing kind of right around Oh four, Lennox Lewis retired. The heavyweight division kind of went to shit. You still had Floyd and Manny and what was left of Oscar De La Hoya carrying it big brand. So at the elite level, you still got big fights and big storylines. It was great. At the hardcore level, you still got all the great stuff you would need. I feel like the, the middle class got eliminated. And boxing went through mm. a really tough time in the last 15 to 20 years, but has had some every other year kind of boons where like... Mm. One year it'd be just loaded with great fights or the next year, you know, PBC got launched and suddenly boxing's on national mm, TV again. Yeah. And it's like, we've had some ups and downs. We're coming off a 2021 that was great. And anytime I told the MMA fans on the show, I know you hate boxing, but you got to watch this <laughs> fight on Saturday. It's paid off. The fight's delivered. The, the best yes, are more true, or less... Man fighting the best canelo is a guy you can watch and like floyd before him and get behind the storyline the heavyweight division is must see are we in a spot where boxing's biggest kryptonite elements are gone and we can all move forward happily no it's always going to be there yeah. chuck because the sport's disorganized and it's sure dirty as shit i mean there's a lot of bad going on but yes, yes. i believe right now even if i don't think everything is going to the level that it could be it's in a good spot. It's in yeah. it's a pretty damn Social good spot. media probably. I feel like the UFC when it came in, you know, MMA, but especially UFC knew how to handle social media. Somewhere, even if it's never been acknowledged, boxing has learned to use social media better. Because yes. the names at least, for the longest time it was everybody was if you didn't pay attention, they were woodwork contenders. You didn't know who these guys were, like the guys coming up. So, I feel like these days you kind of you kind of know the divisions a little bit and you kind of know, you know, who's coming up and all that stuff. It's just a little different. I feel like people are a little more tuned into it. I mean, there's still too many pay-per-views. So if you were like, hey, yeah. I kind of like this. Should I go hardcore? It They don't make it easy. There's still too that many fake titles. There's still too many of mm -hmm. all these things that'll piss you off. But as long as the fights that are to... supposed to be good, Chuck, deliver, yes. that that's a band-aid that can keep you going for yeah. a while. And you can still appreciate the grade of this sport without getting caught up in some of the BS. But uh, yeah. I just Love like your Chuck, boxing insight. Yes. I just Watch like that we're me. that as a show here, MK, we're opening people up to the idea of what they yes. might be missing. You know? Hey man, you started this show. You said you're going to talk about boxing too, and I was like, I don't know, man, because uh, MMA fans just can't stand to yeah. think that way. But you guys have pulled this off, and I feel like this show particularly has drawn interest from that MMA side into the boxing realm. That's oh, an achievement. Thank you. Thank you, yeah, man. I'll take that for now. Let's you got see what it. happens. Finally, you, got, you from, want to sit on the couch again later and hang out and watch some I'd love to. Movies? Yeah, I'll put that tie-dye right. tight shirt back on so you can cool. show my robust winter belly. This one's from <laughs> at Ian was here 666. Does this mean he has uh, that he dabbles in the dark magic, Chuck? Oh, my Lord. 
He says, does watching fights ever feel like a chore? I'm just a fan and keeping up with all the MMA promotions as well as boxing and glory kickboxing sometimes becomes a grind. Does the media ever feel like that oh sometimes? God. Day one donk here. Chuck, does this job ever feel like a job to you? Yes, it does, Brian. Yes, it does. Does it to you? I mean, honestly, Absolutely. when you when you don't have an off season uh, and, the, and it, you have multiple promotions, and they're all building themselves, and there's always a news cycle that is just on top of that. I mean, it it can get to you. And we were talking a little bit last time, last Monday. Uh, you know, when you're covering the sport in its minutia, like where you're literally, you know, paying attention to social media feeds and people's feuds, all the useful idiots in the sport, all the things that people are feeding information, this and this, and the managers and all that stuff, man, it gets, it becomes a grind. It becomes a big time grind. So, um, I think that you have to, at some point, kind of protect or compartmentalize and treat the fights. They kept the, you have to kind of hold them in a special place to really keep that enthusiasm going because there for a while, man, I, if it was a you know, 13-fight UFC card, you'd be like, oh, my God. You know, yeah. Especially if you're at the event, you had to sit through all of that. Um, it, it became a grind. So I feel like I've had to kind of take a step back for a minute and then rewatch it. I try to gain some of the enthusiasm, regain some of the enthusiasm I had, and and protect those fights. Like protect them from all that stuff. Don't try to get jaded by them and watch them for what they are. But yeah, man, it becomes a grind for me. Oh, absolutely. And you know, covering both sports at the highest level can be a grind. When I used to cover pro wrestling, on top of this, it became nearly I know. impossible. I don't know how you do that. Man. Well, you had to make a decision that there's only so deep you can go. You know what I mean? And sometimes, yeah. you know, it, it's it sucks. But um. We know what I do to fight it. I try to watch as many fights live as I possibly can. So even yeah. if you're off, you know, and sometimes you're like, okay, I, I should unplug and go with the family. I do, but I'm like, I agree. if I could, you know, because rewatching stuff, you're not in the mood to rewatch. You can't retain that's what it. Can be hard. Yeah, it's also weird. There's something about the live kind of. I don't know. You know, it's going to sound kind of Dominic Cruz-ish, but it's like the psychic energy of it because it's like you're kind of everything's being contextualized in the moment, right? Like you can kind of understand the gravity of this fighter or that fighter or what they have or their factions or whatever is going on by the moment. You know what I mean? But when you, ha when you go back and nobody else is watching, it's just you, it can feel a little, uh, I don't know. It just feels like you're taking lonely. notes or something. Yeah, you know? it feels very yeah. lonely. Yeah, all yes, right. Yes, lonely. That's the word. Well, Chuck, uh, <laughs> some people are alone this winter. Yeah. And luckily, we have created this companion segment that just lights them on fire right. with joy right. and laughter and guilt. Uh, we scour the globe, Chuck, uh, every Monday for segment three, uh, searching the highs and lows, the good, the bad, the ugly, the in-between, and combat sports and beyond. We like to call it, have you seen this shit? <laughs> favorite segment Are you kidding <laughs> oh god yeah <laughs> yep there we go there we go thank you thank you Luke. soft okay. serve all right sorry they're texting me they're texting me okay here we go uh chuck not Luke. Mm -hmm. chuck we start off with bellator 273 from phoenix chuck did you see lightweight chris gonzalez needing just 36 seconds to detonate one sadawad oh woohoo no, I did not see this live, but man, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's that. high kick heaven right there, okay? Look at that. Yeah, well done there. Uh, all right. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Damn. Uh, ca carrying it on, uh, Darian Caldwell, your former Bantamweight champion, 
looked great for two rounds, but I don't know if you heard Big John McCarthy was like, he's going to gas, he's going to gas. Boy, did he gas in round three against yeah. Enrique Barzola. I received a text from one Luke Thomas saying, is Caldwell the the Kevin Lee of Bellator? This was, this was a bad loss, Chuck. Man, that's actually a really good comparison. Because with Kevin Lee and, and with Caldwell, I think that when they started, you saw the flashes of how good they are, and you had a bar set that was up here that they never got close to. Even even given the fact that he won the belt, he just never he never seemed to get above the bar where people were setting for him. But yeah, this was a bad one. Yeah, you just saw it coming a mile away, and then he essentially just kind of gave up there and 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 had nothing left. Tough tough yeah. turn of events there because he was wrestling like a maniac in the first two rounds. Uh, I put a asterisk next to this guy's name or a circle or a gold spot star. Twenty two year old featherweight Lucas Brennan had yet another spectacular submission on the Bellator undercards. Look at this six sub of Ben Lugo. What do you yeah. call this, Chuck? Dude, don't ask me. Yeah. <laughs> Big jerk choke. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, he's got the leg pinning it backwards. I mean, Damn, that's just, dude, that was nice. That's beautiful. He's he's got Chase Hooper vibes, right? Yeah. Just a, how, just a how old is he? How old is he? Twenty two. Deuce Deuce. Twenty two. Yeah. yeah. All right. Look at him. Right. right now, we would have Luke break down the technique and then mention something. Yeah, about, like, I know. See, this is where, this is where you uh, don't get you know. <laughs> getting a poor translation over here. Look like a choke to me, Chuck. All right, yeah, here we go. Choke. Bantamweight Blaine Shutt asked for it, Chuck, in the center of the cage like it was Holloway Lamas in round five, and yes. he received it from Team I'm Fedor's... I'm you know that. That's good. Nikita Mikhailov gave it to him, Chuck. Oh, oh. boy. <laughs> you know, just, yeah. Yeah, right here. Right yeah, here, right now. Dude, I love it when these things backfire. It's always This hilarious. is where I wanted, yeah. I wanted to end. Yeah, right here. Yes. Come and get right on the monster logo. <laughs> there we go. All right. Oh, my Woo. God. Uh, speaking of Blaine, the shutdown shut, Chuck, your thoughts on his tattoo design? Oh, man, another one of these? Yeah. These cages, links. I don't understand these guys. It's like they want to become a grid or something. Like, I don't get it. There was a guy in the UFC who had the same thing. I forget his name now, but I, I well, don't know. It's bizarre. War Machine has that same thing, but he's, Does he's he? on the other oh. side of it. He's, he's oh, stuck man. behind it. These yeah. are now bars. You know what Yo, I mean? Sorry, they're bars. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Screw that joke up. All right. <laughs> Chuck, I don't know how she does it, but our good friend Vanessa Demopoulos just can't stop showing up in this segment. Your thoughts to her at-home training routine here, Chuck? Oh, my Lord. Let's take a look. Or at the gym training. Mm-hmm. It's good technique. Good yes. This is, yeah. See? The heavy wow. bag is a little different than because it's it moves, you know, it's softer. Yeah, it's a little it's different as, than a pole. Yeah, it's I different than the pole, but she adapts well. I will say that. <laughs> Very adaptable. Yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> All right, top rank boxing was in Oklahoma. Keep an eye on Bruce Shushu Carrington. Look at the brutality on this finish in the corner. Oh man. Oh. God. Oh, boys, man. You see him? He waited. He waited, and then he just delivered, tucked that undercut. Or that, yeah, look at that. He was a big-time amateur trained by former U.S. amateur coach Kay Karoma. This. this guy, Shushu hey, Carrington, looks to be legit. But, Chuck, this looked like Ray hey, Mercer hey. against Tommy <laughs> Morrison. Just <laughs> Referee just leaving this guy hung out that to dry here. beautiful. Yeah. Oof. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what yeah. is up with that? What is up with that? Yeah, that guy's from Oklahoma. He takes it right. easy, you know, whatever. All right, on the Got same card, hey, Chuck, Muhammad Ali's grandson, Nico Ali Walsh, has become a... I don't know, a Jake Paul of sorts for ESPN and top rank. Um, I've talked about his lack of head movement and the fact that he's going to get splattered. I'll give him credit. Oh At least offensively, 
he looked great. This is his first fight under new trainer Richard Sloan, who replaced uh, Sugar Hill, um, uh, Sugar Hill Stewart, who I think he was a little bit too busy, and Nico Ali Walsh needed direct uh, coaching. But Richard yeah. Sloan, who was in Smoking Joe Frazier's corner back in the day and is, in a, is a very famous boxing artist, I like the improvement offensively. I still think he's got many defensive holes, but what do you think about the Ali shuffle here before the finish? Pretty, pretty nice. Um, I don't know how sustainable that sort of thing is, but you know, you yeah. got to move your face, Brian. You got to move your you face. Move Chris Lieben taught us that. You you're got gonna to get move splattered. your face. Um, yeah. They got to be careful how they market him. Like they were a little bit too aggressive the first few fights, but he is fighting like every month. <laughs> and like, yeah. If he can get, if he can keep getting better at this rate, maybe there's something there. But uh, we yeah. gotta wait and see. All right. Yeah, All right. man. Uh, things got hairy at the Friday weigh-in for top rank between Pink Tyson and Carla Torres. Uh, Pink Tyson on the left. I don't believe that's Ooh. your government name, though, Chuck. <laughs> Look at Mark Chanuk getting in the middle yeah. right there. We're, Dave, Dave Schaller needs to take some notes on how to break that shit up, all right? Uh, the action would continue in the ring. Man, they had a nice a little slugfest, Chuck. I'm sure yeah. you watched this on Saturday. No, I did not. Let's see. Pink Tyson would get the L, but she was putting it on her Which here, one's right? Pink, Pink Tyson here? Uh, probably, come on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Damn. Hey, en enough Damn. fights in the ring. We love subway fights on this show. Oh my Chuck, God. how about this? I love that you, go, you, you find these. these. <laughs> how about this, this unexpected valor in this subway oh fight God. right here? Oh. oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. No. He's like, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, hey. We don't need a felony here. We Jesus. don't need a. Yeah, we don't need. Look at this, Chuck. If they can change, we can change, right? Oh. Dude, that's that's wild. This, I've been in. You've been in New York City a lot, man. Like you see some crazy things, and that, every time I'm like those platforms like that, I'm like, ugh. And I've seen guys fighting too. So this is oh boy. this is yeah. not new. But seeing somebody go over like that, ugh. What do you think was the the issue between them? God, <laughs> no idea, man. Disrespect or like a half of a cookie? What do you think it was, Chuck? Maybe One's both. as likely as the other, man. All right. Crimson Mask of the Week goes to Jose Perez of CFFC 105. Oh I believe God. that's Whoa. maybe Poland or Russia, Damn. but it aired on UFC what Fight happened? Pass. Damn. I think he got that's uh, pretty Abdu bad. Abdullah the Butcher got him with the fork in the in the turnbuckle there. Wow. That's what that I was going to say. That It reminds me of the old like wrestling magazines back in the day. And you, just see, yeah. you didn't see it live. You just saw a picture, and the dude's face would be Dude. completely covered in blood. Can we teach people what it was like to grow up in the 80s? How gnarly was it when you're like six years old, it's 1984, and you walk into the corner store and the wrestling magazine's just filled with ridiculous, just, I know, man. just savage blood on everybody's face. Dude, I loved face. it. I loved it. They, and they would be next to like the Fangorias and all those like monster magazines. They were kind of in the same section. Were you a comic book guy, Chuck? Not really. Not yeah, too much. I mean, I had cool. some. You went through, I went through a little phase, you know. You were cool. That's what that means. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Eagle FC 44 in Miami. I talked about it. Now you can see it. Sergey Karatanov went full mount on Tyrone Spong. And not, then, and then Chuck, not, what do you call this? A half crucifix here when he pins the arm down? This was great. Yeah. I mean, literally, this was just like watching, um, you know, some somebody get mauled at the, at, near their locker or something. Yeah. You know, it was like one of those types of fights. This, once it went to the ground, this was just almost brutal to watch. I'm like, um, unless he throws him in the subway yeah. tracks and oh. then lifts him back up, this is not going to be nice. The Spong had there, no yeah. plan plan B here. They even called him a polar bear beforehand, and that's what it looked like. That's what polar you get. You, somebody, you ask yeah. for it, you get it. Yeah. All right, little showmanship here between Ray Borg and Cody Gibson in the aforementioned fight. Look at this action. Can we blow this up? 
Eagle FC bringing out the fireworks. Yeah. Little 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 swipe yeah. the shoulder. You ain't touching me. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. You big Cody Gibson guy? Ah, he's okay, you know. Yeah. He paid attention to him. He's good. All right. Chuck, yeah. uh, who would you rather buy a used car from in this photo? Okay. <laughs> Luke Rockhold and that, Luke Rockhold and, and the and Pete Rose. Uh, Pete Rose. Yeah, win the effing game, the... says Pete. I mean, you know, <laughs> the car won't oh start if you Lord. buy it from Pete, but there's going to be some stains on the on the uh, on the Man. cloth if you buy it from Rockhold, right? That's yeah. a unique uh, pairing right there. That's that's great. What that's what fantastic. the hell? They just had a event together or something what is this i don't know celebrities yeah. they find right. each other chuck right. you and i right. hosting the show right all right polish mma time you always got to be careful in europe because any stare down chuck can turn into fisticuffs instantly let's check this out <laughs> oh it's on i love it look at the guards look at these ninjas what is chuck. going on what is this well it is Swat. covid season all Swat we need team. is chael saying i need you to stay away from me right i love how the guy who got hit. Oh, was, was, Chuck! Oh, my Lord. That guy was holding back. Wow. Wow. Still going on. This is like the palace Dude, we don't, we don't, Yeah, Woo. we don't get stuff like this. No, we don't get enough of this. We're on live Dude. TV, folks. All right, Gus Johnson? Yeah, we don't get this in Strike Force Nashville anymore. Okay? <laughs> Dude, this that's, is great. That's mesmerizing. Yeah. That guy All just right. goes right into a stance. I love it. Let's go over. Uh, apparently, we had the best NFL playoffs back-to-back -back weeks we've ever we did. seen. I didn't see a sh any of it, okay? Great like guy. It. I never watched it. But uh, check out what <laughs> happened here at, at Luke's favorite stadium as the Eagles oh fans God. come down. Wow. <laughs> I did see this, yes. Yes. Shout out to that player uh, uh, helping all the players up, though, or all the fans up. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Yeah, yeah Jalen Hurts. Damn, man. After that. Yeah. Yeah, this was... Where was this at? Philly? I don't even know. It looks the colors look or, like oh, it's Washington. Oh, this is uh, this is actually, was this in Washington? Because I feel like I saw Luke, because uh, he's always humiliated, right, about everything yeah. that goes on in Washington, the football team. So, I'm guessing that's where this was. Well, you that's bite hilarious. the stadium, it'll bite back. Let's go to the <laughs> University of Kansas as the players uh, exit the floor here, Chuck. You gotta, you gotta protect yourself at all times. That's the oh, rule. Oh God! Damn. Oh, God. Oh God! Is that that? Uh, I wow. like how a couple guys still ran into it as it was yeah. flapped. Over. Look at this! Boom, and then boom. <laughs> Fog Allen rolling over in his grave. That's not good, right there. Oh okay. my lord! Hey Chuck, big week for small people. Let's shout them out. Brock Lesnar picking up Wee Man of Jackass fame and throwing him through a table at a restaurant. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's those jackass guys they're everywhere man they're everywhere they were just them. at the they were at the ufc and the wrestle or whatever it was royal rumble right they yeah. were both things they'll shamelessly they're, promote stuff there's no question yeah. about that and they'll do this kind of thing but that just wasn't so the biggest small person slam of the week let's go to All midget right. mma chuck i don't know if we still call it that i didn't know this was a thing actually oh my god uh, <laughs> this still looks like a Caposa special here okay um oh uh, <laughs> Oh no! Dude. Oh god! Okay, they're gonna they're gonna cancel this show. Let's oh, move boy. on from that. Yeah. Oh. All right. Hey, Chuck, real recognized real this week as Anderson Silva joined boxer Robson Conceição in the gym in Brazil, leading up to Conceição's victory over Xavier Martinez in Saturday's ESPN main event. I take mm -hmm. I take uh, tips from this guy. Oh yeah. Well, depending on the, like, the actual tip, yeah. I mean, he did try to tips. he did try to send me an indecent proposal that time. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. 
I assumed you meant the tips you were thinking. Um, yes, yes, yes. So. Yes. All right, that's great. Hey, it's time for the Scorpion of the Week. Let's go out to the slopes here. Tony Danza, uh, look away if you're watching. Chuck, this is why I don't ski, all right? Oh, no. I mean, did JFK Jr. have to die for us oh, to keep watching this? Look God. at this. Oh, boy. Ugh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> let's watch some child Dude, abuse. Is, if we're, we're going to go down this road, Break let's keep spine. it going here. Chuck, you know, you got the outdoor pool, but in the winter, you got you to gotta stay away from it. It's dangerous. Look at this kid ice skating oh, on his Lord. own pool in his slippers. Oh, Lord. Yeah. A spoiler alert, Chuck. It's going to go bad for him. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> one of those, this is one of those spiral, spiral I mean if things. you're the dad and you're filming <laughs> this are you like oh no look at there's the dad he's getting involved yeah look at that <laughs> Stupid ass. oh boy Damn. all right let's keep it going he's Chuck. still struggling he's still struggling as we cut him away UFC right. 27 had a legendary knockout that didn't happen in the cage look at look at Don Fry mixing it up with a fan the old cowboy can still throw Chuck all this now. All right, he's a legend. You don't want to mess with him. No, he probably had too much to drink. People, what is with people messing with these guys? Come on. Oh Damn. wow, Damn. look at that! Right cross. A little Got doink. Him. Got him. A little doink. Woo. Yeah. Damn, dude. I didn't. I didn't see that. That's crazy. I didn't even notice it. The, the, that was the same day Don Fry spoke to media members and said he wants to fight in Ghana. So I was like, all right, that's great. That's great. Sure. He's gonna get a fight in one way or another. All right, Hamzat Chemaev has switched camps, which now allows him, Chuck, to wrestle with Bellator welterweight champion Yaroslav Amasov. This is a nice mm. little uh, grappling pairing here. Oh, right? Yeah, yeah. They had other guys there, too. It was like a monster team, man. It was like five of the... Yeah, I forget who all was there, but it was. I saw the photo of them all posing. Yeah, look at that. I mean, that's how you get better, okay? You yeah. train with the best, all right? For real. That dude is a beast, man. Uh, we know that celebrities are going to hoop it up, and it'll probably be awkward, and it'll probably end up on the show. So let's go to Fedor in Phoenix, Chuck. Look at this. <laughs> they had to reinforce the backboard for the old Russian bear. <laughs> let's check, rate his form, please. Okay. okay. Well, I think it was in Phoenix that Shaquille O'Neal took down a uh, backboard. Yes. I remember one time he dunked it, and the whole thing came down. That, I, that, that was the closest I've seen. That's the closest I've seen to one of them coming down. Since Did he call then. glass, Chuck? I don't know. That reminds me of the McGregor at Madison Square Garden. Were you there oh, when that? Yeah. And he, he shot this awkward shot. This was just like heaving it through the basket, which is crazy. But these guys, man, I don't know. This sounds like a Danny Brenner stage setup here. You know, CJ yeah. Tuttle. They're like, let's put a ball in Fedor's hands. You know, that's like the, mo the that shot was completely without grace. I mean, there was no finesse whatsoever to that shot. Now, normally we make fun of. MMA fighters trying to play basketball, whether it be Conor McGregor or Habib or Habib's dad going shirtless and just punching people on the court. And you know, that Dagestani style of mm -hmm. basketball, which involves yeah. uh, violence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know who can actually no ball? Cyril Gaon. And I'm trying to say Cyril like Shaquille Majuri says it. Check this out, no Chuck. No way. Going windmill. Is that, is that regulation? I mean, it could be an eight foot hoop no, like in the movie Above the Rim. Foot. It's 6'4. Holy shit, man. Dude, I heard he could ball. I heard he could ball. That's the first footage I've seen of it. That's uh, that's pretty impressive, man. That's that's not bad. Now, Chuck, uh, to close here, you've heard about my liver problems. Probably ad nauseum. I've got non-alcoholic fatty liver disease from years of, um, you know, eating out of gas stations and just yes, you know, not putting my health first. And now I'm, you know, a humbled guy trying to change that. Um, sure. 
But speaking of livers, are you down with the liver king on Instagram? Uh, no. What, what's well, all liver this? king lives a very old school diet. Oh my god! And here's him what taking a, a bite <laughs> out of uh, an uh, actual liver from a cow. So uh, this guy only eats raw meat, and he walks all over like the migrant people used to, carrying weight, and that's what he does for workouts. Luke thinks he's um. All over uh, PEDs, Chuck. But just your thought: what would it? Know. What kind of cash value would it take for you to take a bite out of this? Dude, it wouldn't come cheap. Two hundred and fifty bucks? No, I'm kidding. Come on, I, would, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> I'm with pretty... you on that. My dad used to always have that, you know, dilemma of: would you eat crap for, you know, two million dollars? And he'd be like, "Of course I would." I'd be like, "Well, two no, million standards in life." It's a lot right? of money, you know. Yeah. Um, this guy, money. Liver King, though, he's jacked. That though, is. Though. That is, that's really what they call him? Like, what is what is this? Oh, he refers to himself in third person as Liver King. Yeah. Okay. I'll yeah. have to check this out, but that's you gotta get disgusting. it. There's, there are members of the MK staff, given my liver history, that are hoping yeah. for, like, a interview guest spot type deal here with the, with the real Liver King, you know? Yeah. Oh, I would watch that. All right. Well, that's the shit of the week, but we got a little bit more shit for you okay. in the segment that we call... <laughs> Odds and ends. Chuck, I'll go first here. Okay. They've been waiting for our reaction, so why don't we give it to him? Jake Paul teased that he was putting out a diss track against UFC president Dana White, and boy, was it ambitious. Over three minutes, this music video. I believe we have a little cut to throw to to react to this piece of art. Okay. Fuck Dana. Fuck Dana White. First of all, Masvidal, you ain't rich. 50 fights for 5 mil, that ain't shit. Underpaid fights, where the healthcare rights? Got them risking all their lives and they can't quit. Big bags, that's the shit I came with. I like having money conversations. All that little Stockton shit is cool, but that list got me thinking, do you speak a different language? All gas like propane. Dana, won't you lay off all that cocaine? First he said my fights are fixed, and now he says steroids shit. I'm really on an island eating lo mein. McGregor, I ain't seen you win in five years. You rich little weirdo, ugly ass veneers. Took so many losses, wound it up at VMAs. Trying to fight with MGK, ain't no surprise here. Lamborghini boat, but your career is sinking. Really got me wondering what D is thinking. I ain't even dissing okay, now, I'm really speaking. Wound it up in jail too many times without a liquor drinking. Little, little D Devlin shot right there. I like the inflection he's putting on his voice. It's, uh, I don't Chuck, know. Um, he had an actor, a bald actor who was nowhere near the build of one That's Dana what's White. That's so funny. Playing Dana. And he's also like 20 years older than Dana White. Which yeah, is now Chuck, here's the deal. I have supported Jake's antics a lot because I think he's bringing to light things that need to. He's not backing down from Dana. I thought he completely trolled Dana in that back and forth video thing they had. This is next level. I don't believe this is going to bring a response from Dana because I think this was a little bit too far over the lame left field fence. Like it was a little, like, you know, like it was a little, like he went for it and, uh, you know, I mean, I agree a, with you. I agree with you. It's what the kids call a try hard. You know, it's like, it's a little bit, yeah. it's a little bit trying too hard, man. They've you called me I mean? a try hard before on this show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have tried pretty hard. No, yeah. wait, I, I, somebody sent me this and I watched it uh, on my phone days ago but like chris cyborg is at the beginning right like she's at the beginning of this antonio mckee also part and mckee that's right Entourage. i knew there were a couple of cameos okay that's pretty funny i mean you know? so like that's the point the little skit they did was yeah. cyborg sitting at the negotiation table with dana white and then 
telling her basically she has no rights, sign it. This will be the yeah. best thing that ever happened right. to you. So he's exposing the right things. I just feel like he yeah. went so hard in that direction that the real Dana is just going to be like, whatever. Well, I agree Paul with Gibson, you. Whatever. Yeah, just. Yes. Yeah, okay. I, I don't um, mind. He can keep doing the, I mean, this was a little silly, but like he can keep, you know, pounding that drum though. I mean, that's, I, I feel like it's, you're hitting Dana in the weak spot when you talk business things like this and you yes. keep raising the awareness. That, that's the one spot he hates, you know, so. I mean, the only other time we've seen Dana back down publicly was when Brendan Schaub pushed the Eskimo brother thing. And he was like, last time, right? And then suddenly, like, I was like, all right, all right, I'll, I'll yeah. step away from the yes. high noon duel here. Um, there are some some roads in Dana's yeah. world that are too low, that are too um, low. So, you know, you do get the John S. Nash types, a guy I do respect, despite having some back and forths with him, that he's saying, look, it's all good, but unless this guy's like, becoming the Bjorn Rebney and trying to start the fighter union that he keeps talking about. And by the way, I do have a, a specific quote. He was on ESPN's first take and Jake said, uh, I want to create a fighters union. This is my goal to really impact the whole entire sport, both MMA and boxing and leave an everlasting stamp. I just so happen to not be beholden to anybody. A lot of these UFC fighters, they're beholden to Dana. They can't speak mm. out against him. So I'm using my platform. I'm one of very few people who actually can. I'll say whatever. I'll speak the truth. I'm doing what my responsibility is as a fighter and someone who cares about other fighters. Chuck, I've argued that I don't necessarily believe that he like really cares. I think this is just a strategic soapbox to stand on to try to make changes. Yeah. Why? So he could get those fighters in the ring against him, sure. like Masvidal, Connor, all those guys. Do you Pretty agree smart. with the John Ashes that say, it's cool that you're doing this, but unless you're like actually going to join hands and try to start something, meaning a, I guess mm -hmm. a union, it yeah. really doesn't matter. How do you feel that statement? I basically agree with that. You know, I mean, we could, we can say that the, the intentions are pure. Um, there might be an ounce of truth to that, but I, if you're going off of this guy, he's what, 24, 25 years old. He's very young, but he's mastered this, you know, like he's mastered the game he's playing already. And I feel like this is just part of that game. You know what I mean? So he's poking the bear in the right way. Um, and he's getting, people want to, they talk about, they want to fight him, man. They want, they want his money. He's pulling in money that these guys aren't doing like it reminds me but on a bigger scale of ben askren when he came to the ufc and everything was yeah. the subplot you know what i mean like where it was him against dana he's doing it from afar man and it's uh he people you know i know that people blow him up on on the side saying that it is refreshing that somebody's doing that so it's interesting yeah. man but there, it's just his game it's his some... game it's a game Look, there are some Robin Hood elements, as we mentioned, and getting Serrano yeah. paid and, and, you know, pushing her to the forefront. That hasn't yeah. been a horrible move. Uh, oh, the only thing is, Chuck, it wasn't the worst fight combat okay. diss track of the week. Remember I mentioned a couple weeks ago, fans, that Myris Bradis, the best cruiserweight <laughs> fighter in the world today, that one of the, he's got one of the belts. He's only lost with Alexander Usyk in a thriller. This guy's legit. He won't stop calling out Jake Paul, and now he also... Has a diss track video. Let's throw to it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who's doing it? And I'm going to prove that. You know, that's the beautiful thing about this is I'm going to become a world champion because everyone said I couldn't and that I wasn't a real boxer. Jake, how about the real man's fight? fight. I will put my belts on table, do you wanna take a fight? fight. Looks like you're scared, you little bitch boy Kid, pick up the phone and put down your toys Looks 
Looks like you have a little monkey balls Only hanging around with your porn hat dolls Oh, I'm sorry, I guess that was your girl She's trying to find her nuts like a little girl I promise I will shut your dirty little mouth I play with you one round and I knock you out I will show the world that your fights was set up I punch you so hard that you won't be able to get up Just don't get up, Jake Just don't get up, hey Jake Just don't get up, I punch you so hard You won't be able to get up Yeah, little, so wait, did he rhyme monkey. "get up" with "get up"? Yeah, he did, and he, he talked an about his, move. his little monkey balls. Uh, Chuck. Yes. Also, he, he, two syllables for the word "world." That's impressive. Well, like he's it. from Latvia, so he's. I the, get the, it. I you get know, it. he did this in English. Let's give him credit. But Chuck, I will um, give him credit. He also got the tattoo that we railed on him for that had the same image of that T-shirt he was wearing that says what Jake's bad luck or something or bad <laughs> karma. What the? Yeah. I mean, what the hell are you doing? Like. Like, this is so misguided, this attempt. It's like, there's no chance Jake Paul is going to fight he ain't a legitimate bang you with your bro. champion in his own weight class who has no marketable footprint globally in terms of, like, drawing. You know what I mean? Like, like Shoot your Jake shot, saying, BC. Like, Chuck, Jake saying he'll fight Canelo is basically him saying, I know I'm going to get killed, but sure. it'll be a massive event. I'll make history. I I persuaded the number one boxer in the world in his prime to to accept me as a as a legitimate opponent. That's what that says, right? I Whether know. you clown on it or not, I think it's a horrible idea for Jake to ever consider a Canelo fight. But you know what's ten times more horrible? Him fighting Myrus Brightus under any circumstance. <laughs> Come on, it's not gonna happen, man. What are we it's doing here? It's not gonna happen. Yeah. Underwater He's not Lopez. Yeah. And, right. and you're not gonna you're not gonna get on his nerves and change his mind by agitating. I mean, come on. Guys, a master monkey though. balls. Uh, Chuck, what do you got in your <laughs> monkey balls for odds and ends today? You know what, man? So we, we were watching the Royal Rumble, and Lashley went against Brock Lesnar. And afterwards, I think this is a little bit interesting, right? Because both guys did have spells in MMA. Obviously, Brock Lesnar's more decorated. But afterward, Bobby Lashley was asked about about that, how he compared to Brock Lesnar as a MMA fighter. Did you see that basically Lashley was saying that he's better than Brock Lesnar, and he thinks yes. that he's actually better than him. I just thought that that was really interesting, and it actually brings up kind of a, uh, you know, a thing that you, a point of contention. I'm like, because he was mentioning basically, he said that without disrespecting him, he's capable, he has far more skill, skill-wise, that he's taught boxing, jiu-jitsu at his gym. Um, he was fighting in strike force, obviously. He had some pro fights in Bellator. He's just pointing this out. Now, I'm asking you, BC, like if you had to talk about this, if you had to say who has more skills, because I know who has a more decorated, who has uh, the more decorated MMA career. I was going to say, is this a drug tested skills? fight or not? Because that, well, that you can argue that doesn't matter. Both. I yeah, mean, look, this, I mean, uh, Lashley's 45 and he's yoked up, dude. He's like, he is. Yeah. Um, dude. all right. Let's say this happens obviously outside of the UFC. So there's probably not strict drug testing yeah. protocol. I, you know, it's actually an interesting matchup. Yeah. I'd actually be down for it. So here's my question on how this could transition from a WWE angle and a few fans have wanted for a long time, to be fair, because of their their backgrounds, to an actual fight. How long does the UFC hold some type of first rights to Brock Lesnar? Because GSP That's still can't. Point. 
he can't celebrity box right now because he's waiting out that whatever that that period is. The same period that Francis Ngannou is, right? The five year yes. period. How yeah. much longer would it be? Because Brock Lesnar has one of these names where whatever promotion, whether it's Habib or Bellator or anybody, if they can pull something like this off, you're going to watch it, dude. You're going to watch it. 100%. And even in the lead up, even though it was a pro wrestling event, Bobby Lashley was saying like, uh, he, I, I think he was talking to Corey Graves, the dude who's living out but he was, he was mentioning uh, that he had no soul. Did you see all this stuff? Like he was like, he I has didn't. no soul. He's talking. No. It's just that sort of thing. I was like, man, it actually kind of has you fantasizing about, you know, if they ever did actually fight, that would be, that's the kind of thing, like a, a novelty type fight that I would be totally down to watch. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Just, just given that, like you said, as long as there's no commission standing over them and saying you can't, uh, you know, like, do whatever they're going to do. Do but, I want Brock Lesnar to cut the line and like he almost did to fight Daniel Cormier for the title? No. Do I want Brock? Yeah. I mean, you know, what's the, what's the number one thing you would accept from the UFC? Would you accept the UFC bringing in Brock to, to debut John Jones at heavyweight? I think we'd clown it, but we'd accept it. Yes. But like, I really only want to see Brock in potential like circus fights, right? Sure. Like, you know, like it, it makes, he's sort of that, that guy. I mean, he went legitimate. Yeah. He was he was absolutely legit for 2008 and 2009 level heavyweight. So, MMA. just in the credentials, obviously Brock Lesnar, his his list of guys he's beat: Shane Carwin, Frank Mir, avenged that fight, Randy Couture, and Heath Herring. Those are pretty good it's names. Not bad. It's and not bad at all. Like, yeah. And Car and Carwin, especially like where he got just you know blasted in the first round and was able to do it. So he actually showed some some ability to take a shot, even though I think that that was his biggest downfall is he didn't like being punched, right? Like he's in the MMA game, but he's doesn't like getting punched. Lashley's biggest. Now this is a whole different setup, obviously, but if you're going off of the resumes, he avenged a loss against James Thompson. Yes. <laughs> the Colossus. That, okay. The yeah. Colossus, it's like yes. 20 and 17 record. Uh, Josh Appelt, who's uh, I think his last, thing that we saw him was on the Dana White Contender Series, 15-7 and seven overall record. He beat Jason Guida, you know, that Geico caveman that hits uh, Clay Guida before his fights, and yes. Wes Sims, you know, let's go. I mean, those are those are his best victories. Hey, he beat so. Bob Sapp, okay? All right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Nobody does that, Chuck, all right? Nobody does that. Um, I just, yeah, I'd anyway, see that. I, I, I just, uh, I thought it was perfect for the odds and ends because it actually piques your curiosity as to what would actually happen in a fight between those guys. I mean, Jake Hager's also in that category. Yeah, like, that's true. Full-time actually, yeah. pro wrestler who's had some fights on the side with Bellator. It, uh, you can make some fun fights with these guys against one yeah. another. It's interesting. All right. It's Chuck, true. that's the show for this week. And thank you for going two hard hours with us. Okay. I love it, man. Thank you. I love it. Two hard men just going after it. Um, a reminder, morningcombat.store is our merch home. And that 15% deal that I said on the top for all hoodies, including drug rugs and the new lines, that extends all week. Look at the hoodie that Chuck yeah. is wearing right there. We want you to use our promo code at morningcombat.store, hoodie15, that's H-O-O-D-I-E 15, for 15% off hoodies. We've got so much great stuff from mugs to uh, the new sun and uh, fist lineup. I mean, we just got this merch. It's just, it's coming out of our ear holes. Check it out. Morningcombat.store. Also a reminder at youtube.com slash morningcombat. Tomorrow, Tuesday, documentary number six, best in show, brought to you by the great Jake Roseman hits. And I want to tell you, Chuck, you haven't watched wait. these docs, but Luke has a long history of no selling, of not showing up to his 
to his, in, you know, confessional interview times to just being like, I don't care. He bought in on this doc. Okay. And him and his wife loved it so much that I was a part of text messages where Jake's, where he's pushing Jake, the documentarian, to like hurry up and finish really? it. Really? Luke, so this has Nothing the potential. Nothing excites that guy. I, I can't wait to see this. Yeah, this has the potential to be our best one. I mean, okay. you know. We'll see. We'll see where it, it fits tomorrow? in the rankings. That is that drops tomorrow. All right, Chuck. We just flashed your social handles. Sure. I always want to give you a chance to plug some stuff. Your website. What is it officially? Themyth.com. I need M-I-T-H. to start writing on it more. I'm going to start writing in it more. But it's themyth.com. M I T H. Yep. I'm there Man all the time. And uh, yep. Yep. And do you That's... currently? You have one podcast currently, correct? I currently have one podcast. Yes. It's uh the MM. It's the Ringer MMA show. And it's the Spotify Green Room, and then it's later released as a podcast. So every Thursday, well, it's kind of after every big event on Saturday nights, we go head to head with Luke, I guess, in that sense. Yeah. Um, but also just regular fight weeks, we do a Thursday pre-show and then a, a Saturday late night show. Okay. Yeah. Now, if Luke perishes on the plane home, it's yes. an awful thing to say out loud. Yes. Right? We're yeah. gonna need you, Chuck. All right. We're gonna need. I'll you be here, man. If he perishes, yeah, I'll be here. Okay. All right. Thank you. I don't yep. know if anyone's looking forward to that. That's an awful thing to say out loud. Luke, we wish you well. We love you. Come back safely. Chuck, thank you so much uh, you for joining it, us this week. Um, thank you, guys. Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. You get championship boxing. You get a lot of great stuff. Or you get boy BC calling some boxing matches. February 18th. Check that out in Orlando on Showtime. Uh, Chuck, do you like 70s neo-noir thrillers, or is it just me? <clears throat> Didn't you ask me this last time? I, I, I need to check out more of them, I think. Okay. Yeah. Are yeah. you, I mean, you know, you're a big taxi driver guy. I do like that. Film. Scarface, yes. Godfather yeah. 1 and yes. 2, all the all yes. the hits. But uh, I like yeah. to go a little bit deeper down the Pacino and De Niro IMDb. Okay. And you find some find some interesting ones, you know? Like what? Serpico, like okay. Justice for oh, All. Yeah, I mean, any, all right. Anytime Pacino's playing a, a straight cop in a crooked environment or he's playing, you know, like a lawyer... A, a sure. straight lawyer in a crooked environment. It's it's going to be a winner, okay? It's going to be yeah. gritty. And, and I watched the the Gambler with James Con- James Con, by the way, Chuck. James Con is awesome. James Con is everything I want to be. Prime James Con, not Misery. J- he was great in Misery, but not Misery James Con. I'm talking about like James Con as Sonny and Godfather One. Sure. Obviously, is is who I want to be when I grow up. But um, you know, James Con in the th- in Thief in the Gambler. I mean, yeah. you gotta you gotta watch this. Watch stuff, Chuck, the, Yeah, okay? yeah. It'll probably thief. make you more of a man. Yeah. He was good in misery, though. Don't, don't, he was great in misery. Don't sugarcoat yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> he, I mean, he took, yeah. That was a, that was, they that broke was a, that ankle. You remember the ending? That that final fight scene in misery? I mean, yes. that, that's it's intense. Yes. I want to yeah. see that one again. That was a good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. A good Maybe one. we'll get together right. and watch it on the couch. All right, that man. would be great. Shirtless. Yeah. That would be wonderful. Uh, Chuck, <laughs> we're big fans of you. Connecticut is your home for now. Yes, Are you sir. ever going to live in Colorado again? Never say never, man. But you know, when you have kids and they're in school and everything, it's too hard yeah. to move. I would, I would move back there, man. But so much is geared toward the East Coast, so it's easier, more convenient to be East Coast. Do you have love for CU football? I do, and hey, uh, your guy, our guy, the wide receiver coach, right? Like I he just took the job over there. Yeah, Phil man. McCogan. Phil McKeegan. I'm sorry. Love that dude. Love me some Phil McKeegan. Luke and I got a chance to hang out with him in Tampa. He spoiled us rotten. We owe him big time. Really? What a great guy. I've never met him in person, man, but. Uh, 
What a, he's an awesome guy, and he's a big-time MMA fan. Oh, and he's a big-time morning combat fan. I see him tweeting about that all the time. Absolutely. So. He's been yeah. an NFL coach at a few different stops. You may have seen yep. him on on, uh, on the Hard, Hard Knock show, lighting people up. He's now got he's now he's working with the mouth. University of yeah. Colorado. Hopefully he could go in there and, you know, hear some great stories about Brendan Schaub's days there as a, you know, as a yeah. fullback and, yeah. Throwing people through doors and stuff, it's it's fantastic. All right, for Chuck <laughs> Minden Hall, my name sure. is Brian Campbell. This has been a great ride. Shout out to Gaff Pierre on the ones and twos and our great companies behind us. Um, enjoy yourselves, guys. Winter depression is real, so let's take it seriously. Let's get through this together. Uh, tomorrow's a brighter day. Spring follows winter. Yes, even this year, Chuck. Okay, Amen. So that's my that's my self help thought of the day. Uh, mm. We're in this together, and Chuck, we got two words for the people. You want to hit it? Sure. Yeah. What? What are they? What are they? That's three. We out. We out. That's it. Done. Benito. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.